The world is full of wonders. Magic is waiting in small moments. And monsters might be watching, just out of sight. But if you're looking to find them, adventure is waiting to happen. You never know who you'll meet along the way. We are the Storyteller Squad. Hello, adventurers. Welcome back to the Storyteller Squad. Thanks for joining us for more Monster of the Week. Before we begin, let's check in with our heroes. I have been spending too much time surrounded by suits. I miss Hugo, and I'm looking forward to seeing him again, because I am Damian Angelo Edgecrest. Terrifying dreams featuring my potential future sister-in-law? That can't mean anything bad, right? It's probably nothing. I'm Raven Eugenia. Potential future sister-in-law. Ooh. Raven's getting Raven. serious. <laughs> Raven. Okay. <sighs> I want to break free. I want to break free. Joke's on you, because I already did. I'm Ariel Valentine. <laughs> In retrospect, piano teeth was probably a little bit much. Oh, well. I'm Hugo Rashad. First impression wasn't great, but I think I'm ready for interrogation round two. And what do you mean the prisoner's no longer there? I'm Agent Whitaker. <laughs> I'm really glad that we got all of our secrets out in the open before we started our relationship. I can't imagine doing it any other way. I'm Aiden Brightwood. Girl, is that a read? <laughs> Damn, that was the <laughs> loudest read. That wasn't just a read. That was an oration. <laughs> I think I got a paper cut. With lemon juice in it. Yeah, with an extra salt. <laughs> Let's have an adventure. Last time, after a run-in with Victoria Salem and her gang, our heroes managed to capture and bring in for questioning Ariel Valentine. Val remained cool under interrogation, even managing to crack Whitaker's cool with her sharp remarks. Elsewhere, we saw Hugo fighting as a vigilante against thugs working for Drake Fowler, a folk crime boss in the city. With difficulties facing them both, Hugo and our agency heroes decided it might be time for them to get the band back together. However, late in the night, or perhaps early in the morning, Dr. Salem's forces made a strike against the agency's detention center, helping Valentine escape. Also that night, we learned from Gimmer, the agency's lead artificer and recently revealed Goblin Hotboy, that Salem's augmentations are designed to siphon energy from their hosts instead of functioning like normal artifice. What sinister purpose the artifice witch, or perhaps more aptly, artifice vampire, could have for her designs remains to be seen. But we pick up with Valentine having been reunited with her criminal partner. Valentine, what do you do? We left off with Salem hugging her and praising her for her good work, right? Mm-hmm. If memory serves right, she kind of stood there awkwardly for a second and didn't exactly hug her back immediately. And I think at this point, she does. Her arms slowly go up and hug her back and kind of 
squeeze her a little bit and her eyes flick to her hand, which is functioning perfectly without this battery that she was told she needed. And I think while they're hugging, she mumbles to her very quietly. Can we talk? Of course, Ariel. Everyone get out. Salem snaps into her gang leader voice to get everyone to clear out of the room and give you two privacy. Ops ushers everyone out, gives Victoria a nod, and then leaves herself. And Victoria will go and sit down at her workbench and sort of push a a chair that has some wheels on the bottom over to you. And she says, I understand if you're upset. I'm really sorry, but we're going to do amazing things with this Philosopher's Stone. So that's what it is. Yes. Here, let me show you. And she pulls forward. It looks like another arm augmentation. And it's hooked up with a few gas tubes and other electrical leads that travel back to the sort of main housing that she's got the Philosopher's Stone in. She throws a switch, which seems to turn on power siphoning from the stone. And the arm, all in between the metal plates that make it up, begins to glow. She lifts it and points it at a back wall where you can see these test dummies have a bunch of scorch marks in them. You might want to put on some safety glasses. I'm sure that there's like half a dozen of them just scattered across tables. Mm -hmm. So she'll just grab a pair off the nearest desk and put them on. Mm -hmm. A pair of like lenses sort of emerge from the sides of Victoria's face, like out from under her hair, and then just snap together in front of her. And then she pulls a switch or like depresses a, a panel on the arm and a beam of the same sickly sea green energy that the Philosopher's Stone gives off emits from the center palm and completely like disintegrates one of these dummies before she unplugs it and throws the switch and it powers down and she sets it on the table. She turns to you and folds her hands together in neat steepled points, looking manically excited. Are you excited to get an upgrade? Watching this, I feel like she like stood there with her arms crossed at first when they first started talking. And then when she fired the weapon, started like fiddling with her mechanic hand, kind of like rubbing her thumb on the back of her hand and just, you know, I'm assuming these safety glasses are tinted somewhat. So there's like a little bit of surprise in the eyes and she just goes, wow, that is something else. This is supposed to be stronger than the batteries in our augmentations? It's a completely superior power source. Those batteries are going to be archaic at this point. Huh. I may even have to develop a new housing in order to store the energy from the stone. Do they tamper with your hand at all? I can look it over. Um, yeah, they did a bit. They actually took the whole battery out of it, but um, it seems to be working fine. If possible, she will try to, like, use her taser charge just through the point. Like, hey, it's working fine without it. Mm-hmm. I don't think you had used or tried to activate that particular feature before. I have not attempted. Yeah. So I think she will try to. It activates. She's internally surprised by this because she was not expecting it to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Victoria's eyebrows furrow and she walks over. That's unexpected. It wasn't really designed to hold a residual charge without the battery installed. 
What if I don't need it? She will go to like gently take the hand mm-hmm. as long as it's like powered down from the stun attack. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, she does it for like half a second and then drops it. You're the expert. So I don't know. She looks at it. She opens the housing and she says, That is odd. And she fumbles around on the work table, finds a battery, looks it over, puts it in. And she says, Go ahead and charge it again. She'll make sure that she pulls her hand away first, but yeah, she'll go ahead and do the taser charge again. You do the taser charge again. It works fine. Mm-hmm. And she says, Best be safe. You don't want it to stop functioning in a critical moment. <sighs> right. Okay. Everything else working okay? Yeah. And she like fiddles with the fingertips to like make sure all your different gadgets are functioning. If she's like holding her hand and like fiddling with it I think she moves the hand and sort of like cups her face with that hand and goes I'm fine everything else is working fine I'm glad I can stop for the night if you need me to listen I do have lots to get done though I've got big plans in the works she sort of glances past her shoulder to the work table, which has a bunch of things. There's like multiple 3D printers that are already activating and like creating different components and pieces in the workspace. There's not really a lot to talk about. I got interviewed by a very annoying old man. I got broken out. I'm back here where I belong. Show me what you're working on. She gestures to the arm that's like done. Everything else is sort of in pieces and components. And she has what looks like prototype blueprints on the work table of like a different housing mechanism for the stone already. Mm -hmm. She's built one quickly, like scratch built it. And now she's trying to refine that design in order to draw the energy from it more efficiently. I forget, does she take a lot of notes or does she just sort of just like stash everything up in her brain? (laughs) There definitely are notes, but then You've never tried to read them before, I don't think, because they are so scattered and like she'll Mm -hmm. write something down, write something down, then cross out the second thing, then write a third thing, then keep going and like make a list, then go over to a drawing. Then she'll start doing math on the side. Then she'll start making lists of like material weights and milligrams of such and such material. Mm -hmm. She'll like pause while she's like explaining the new arm design. Or actually, hmm, never mind. I want to know. I want to know. Keep prompting her. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to prompt her. Um, so she's looking at her design work. She's looking at like the pieces that she has scattered across the ground. Are there any like topics of note that as Salem is explaining so that Valentine can ask her about it? She keeps talking about an advanced neural interface. And you can see designs for like not just the very base sort of physical parts of the body, like hands, fingers, feet, but you see like a spinal column design. Oh, okay, shit. Yeah, and it has a network of very fine lattice work, almost like circuitry, but what looks like a nervous system extending off of it. And she gestures at a couple of the printers, which seem to be like printing sections of this network out. So what's the next play? What's all this for, Tori? I'm trying to push artifice to its absolute limit. What's the limit? We'll see. We don't know much about what makes the demon lords able to create. And I've never heard, at least not in the last two years, anything about the shiny one we saw tonight doing something like that. But in the absence of a creator, 
brighter minds will step in and fill that space. It's sounding like she wants to supersede the demon lords. Do I have that correct? She... I don't want to give you answers because I do kind of like the dynamic of like her speaking this way is an actual issue with your relationship. Right. Talking above the table, right? Like Victoria talks very flowery when she gets philosophical about her work and she treats it more like an art when she's talking about it with you versus engineering when she's talking about it with the other crime lords who just care about the results. Got it. So I don't want to fully explain. If you want to just keep asking her questions, you can keep asking her and maybe I will. I'll see if she answers. I guess the next question would kind of fall on whether or not how much she knows about the demon lords. Spark mythos. I'm sure some of it has become common knowledge, but not everything. Like the fact that people have spark energy, maybe, or that spark energy is what's used in creation. I don't know. Do you think Val would know that or even know to ask about that sort of thing? Yeah, that's where I'm getting caught up. Just roll sharp then. Yeah, fuck it. (laughs) Six. She doesn't know. (laughs) I think she kind of smirks and makes the joke. So you're trying to play God. If everything with this stone goes well, I can elevate us both into that status. I think her face kind of drops a little bit because she was joking and she just goes, holy shit. Victoria remains fully serious, almost giddy. She's not trembling, but like buzzing. Yeah, she's like buzzing with excitement. After she says that, she'll like go and like see that a print is finished and like go and fetch it from the plate that it's on and like start cleaning it up. She's going to follow her over to the print watch her, I'm assuming, pull it off the plate and just like look at it and study it with her. After a moment or two of silent wonder, potentially slight terror, she goes, well, you're not a god yet. Have you eaten today? She doesn't answer right away. She's so intensely focused in on a particular section of this circuit board nervous system. What? Uh, yeah, something. I forget what. It doesn't matter. And then she sort of remembers herself and sets the print down again, hits a couple buttons, it starts printing a second copy of this thing. Mm -hmm. And she just says, Did you need something else? We could go out. We should celebrate. No, wait. You wanted to go... Um... Sorry. There's just a lot on my mind right now. I think she's got her hands on her hips at this point, and she just kind of laughs a little bit. This is the side of her that she finds endearing. This like, oh, you're so cute when you get lost in thought and you get so absorbed in your project type of deal. Mm -hmm. She just shakes her head and says, I'll go get you some breakfast because I'm assuming the last time you ate was at least eight hours ago. And then I'm gonna go back to my place and crash for a few hours because I haven't slept. That's sweet of you. And a big help, really. Thank you, Ariel. And she'll go back over to her workbook where she's got all these diagrams, starts flipping through pages and again, starts scribbling out something. Seems like her saying thank you is sort of like the end for her in that Mm -hmm. conversation. It's like an excuse to be like, oh, I'm done with you, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Val stands there for like another beat and her back is turned to her. The little smile on her face drops and she turns and slowly walks out the door. You get a few steps away from the desk. She doesn't sit up or like change her body language at all, but you hear her say, I would have killed to get you back. I might have already, I suppose. 
She pauses at the door and says very dramatically over her shoulder, I know you would have. And she leaves. We follow you out of the workshop as the buzzing and flashing of occasional power being drawn from the Philosopher's Stone lights up that room, but grows dimmer and less noisy. Mm-hmm. As you leave the hideout, what do you do now? I think she kind of just wanders the streets of the city for a little bit. She has a million and one questions rolling through her head. I feel like there's like a weird little part of her that's proverbially looking for a sign. She's a little nervous about Salem's level of ambition. She's seen movies before. She knows oftentimes the person who wants to become God, stereotypically, isn't a good person. I think your mood also is being a little bit affected because physically you are starting to not feel so great. Yeah. And not in a way of like you're sick. But that like buzz of, I feel really good right now, has worn off. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just the adrenaline has finally come out of your system after being broken out of confinement. Maybe now that you are less keyed up in anticipation of seeing your partner after they put you in a pretty tricky situation, Mm -hmm. uh, that now those hormones are less coursing through your system. But it's just, it's a little weird. Yeah. I suppose bad timing that while you are having all these doubts and sort of worries come to bear that you are also really feeling tired. Yeah, I mean, she hasn't slept in several hours. Mm-hmm. She hasn't eaten in several hours. She had to deal with a bunch of annoying people. Her girlfriend's being weird, unsurprising, but not helping. And yeah, she's just not feeling like herself. And I think, I do think there's like a questioning part of her that she stops while she's walking on the street. And I should clarify, she did put her gloves back on. She's not going back out in public without her gloves on. But she does stare down at the mechanical hand, stares at the back of her hand, turns it over, looks at her palm, grips it into a fist. And I think maybe curiosity burns at her a little bit. She already got a battery. She can just put it back if she ends up needing it. She looks around to make sure she's alone, pulls the glove off opens the panel on the back of her hand and tries to pry out the battery. It comes out pretty easily. It's a very simple, just like, you know, slot-in mechanism. She's going to just tuck it into her pocket for now and close it, put the glove back on, see how she feels in a few more hours, maybe. (laughs) You still have full articulation. Mm -hmm. You try anything else? I think she tries her taser charge again, just to see. It doesn't work. I think she kind of scowls in frustration about that. Is there a little bit of guilt of like, I'm going to take this thing out, even though my girlfriend just put it in kind of a thing? Yeah, I think there's like a little bit of guilt for not trusting her. To play on that a little bit, when you look up, you feel like a little jump in your stomach because you see a poster across from you on this like street corner you've stopped on. And you see at that first glance in the dark what looks like an image of Victoria on this poster. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Because it, like, spooks you. (laughs) But if you go and inspect it, it's actually a poster for what seems to be a new community center Mm. in the city. Okay. And on the front are a few figures. One is a young woman who has similar augmented arms to Victoria, but not the same. A, like, large, what looks like a, a tiger shifter. 
and a young man with dreadlocks, glasses, giving a friendly, if slightly awkward smile in this photo of the three of them. And it just says, Community Center, Magical and Mundane Welcome. And it has an address and a phone number. And it says, like, you know, lists community activities, soup kitchen, access to educational materials, and an arcane library. Hmm. Her eyes kind of stop on arcane library. She looks at her hand again. This counts as arcane shit. I think she's going to double check the address and then she's going to head for the community center. Okay. Takes you a little bit if you're going by foot. Mm -hmm. You can catch a bus, get there a little faster. But eventually you pull up on this building and it's got a few lights outside. It looks like maybe they need to still install some outdoor lighting, (laughs) you know, for like security, I guess, purposes. But that feels like a call out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's like fresh landscaping that's been put in and, you know, maybe being trimmed or whatever. And still there's like a, a big, what looks like posts where a sign would go, but there, it still doesn't have a sign. <laughs> still a work in progress. Okay. Yeah. Work in Mood. progress. But Mood. <laughs> the door is locked. You know, it has regular like hours, maybe nine to nine or something like that, you know, for like after school programs. Are they just posted in like really small font away from the door? So like you you really have to go seek them out. I think like, I think that's, that's my like, biggest pet peeve. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, the, the hours are on the door, but they're not like on with like a vinyl sticker. It's like a piece of paper where right. they're like written and it's taped on the inside. Oh, so it's like really hard to read. Okay. This is just hand done. It's, you know, as neat as someone who has never made a sign before could make it. <laughs> they did their best. Yeah, no graphic designers <laughs> amongst the whispers. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh. I'm making a graphic designer for the whisper. You you summoned me. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, so I think she tries the doors, sees the posted hours, just rolls her eyes. I think she's getting on a little bit of a curiosity bender. Given the fact that Val like hasn't slept and hasn't eaten, but is choosing to do this instead, I feel like bender is a really good word for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a super manic choice. Yeah. 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 So I think she's going to, you know, step back from the doors, kind of look up around the building, starts noting the dark spots with the lighting, starts trying to look at windows, see if any of them might be cracked open, because I don't know, maybe they don't have AC yet. Mm -hmm. And I think she's going to move to start going to canvas the building so she can break in. (laughs) Sure. So why don't you read a bad situation since you are about to create one? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Seven. One question. What's my best way in? I also do have Burglar, which allows me to break into a secure location by rolling plus sharp. So, <laughs> but. Well, what do you get on a seven if you roll plus sharp on that skill? If I roll plus sharp? Uh, let's see. On a seven to nine pick two, you get in undetected, you get out undetected, you don't leave a mess, you find what you were after. Mm, for spice, I'm torn between don't leave a mess or you find what you were after. I definitely don't want her getting out undetected because that's boring. I think if you want to find research on your artifice, you should prioritize that. So find what you were after? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Get in undetected, find what I'm after. And then what are the two that happen as a result? 
I don't get out undetected Mm -hmm. and I totally leave a mess. And I think that makes a lot of sense, actually, given the current mental state that she's in. She's a little sloppy. That does make a a pretty good... There's papers and books scattered everywhere. Well, I'm going (laughs) to stretch the meaning of that a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. And roll it into your question of what's my best way in. Mm Mm-hmm. Hugo, you're returning to the community center after your night of vigilante work. Because you are out so late, it's going to be time to open up the center in a couple hours. So you're going to need to shower and change and all that in your office, which I imagine is not a rare occurrence. But either way, you see this young woman fiddling with the door to the center, even though it's way before opening hours. (laughs) That's what you see as you approach. I was trying to think of the two possible things that he would do in this situation. (laughs) I will also remind you, you have been stabbed tonight. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, yep. You're also bleeding. (laughs) Stabbed, yes. Probably not bleeding anymore, though, because of... Oh, true, your regeneration. Yeah. I I need an opinion. Do I want this to be spicy or not spicy? Spicy. I mean, I always like spice. (laughs) We do enjoy spice here on the Storyteller Squad. As long as it's accompanied by the juice. (laughs) Hey, Natalie, can I roll use magic? Yeah. Specifically to trap a person or thing. Sure. Eleven. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah, you trap her. So Val will feel it suddenly get a little bit cold. And if she looks down, we'll notice that there is suddenly a block of ice forming on their shoes. Rude. Gripping them to the ground. Yep. I love that. Breakfast hours aren't until nine o'clock. She turns around or does her best to turn around because she's currently frozen in place. Just kind of like looks over her shoulder. And I think she's going to play dumb a little bit because you said it was a handwritten sign and go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's my mistake. I thought this said you were open at six and I could have sworn. And she checks a watch <laughs> in mm-hmm. big quotation marks. <laughs> um, oh, wow. I'm way off base. I'm, I can come back. And I think, would she see the bloody stain on his abdomen? I think I want you both to roll opposed charm checks right now. Sure. Oh, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, baby. Six. Ten. I do got the minus one after all. I got the plus two, baby! Fake you, Dice! Hugo, you have not concealed the blood stain on the coat you are wearing. Val, you can make that out as he comes into one of the few lights that is functioning and set up. I will also add in as a ten. Hugo, you see this poor... Very tired, kind of like worn down looking. Dark circles under the eyes. (laughs) Yeah, like her clothes are a little rumpled and just like not neatly put together. And it is like the early, early morning. I'm just a baby. You deal with people like this all the time who just are sort of out of it or a little disoriented and come to the community center looking for help because they see the posters that you've put out, right? Yep. So... Mel, because you rolled a 10, would you prefer Hugo not to recognize Val or for him to recognize you as the person he met in Yosemite Park? Oh, oh, that's so interesting. Um, Well, here's... Do you have a thing today? If I, if I may? Go ahead. He wasn't going to recognize her anyway. I was going to say, first of all, it's been a year. Second of all, Hugo's been dealing with some fucky-wucky memory shit. 
Third of all, she was wearing a wig last time, so mm-hmm. he thought she was blonde. Mm-hmm. Fourth of all, it's nighttime. It is nighttime, too. That's four. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of reasons. The hair texture is totally different. Yeah, I don't think... I, I'm going to say he doesn't recognize her to start. Okay, yeah. Hugo, there's this, this poor young lady who seems real out of it, and she's just trying to get breakfast, it sounds like, or maybe a place to just like get in out of the night air. You know what? You are in luck. Early breakfast hours today, I think. I could use a meal, actually, so... You want anything? Um, I, I think I think before she can answer, her stomach just lets out the loudest fucking growl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what? That sounds nice. But before breakfast, are you okay? Kind of gestures at the bloody stain on his abdomen. I haven't been okay in a long time. I'm pretty good with first aid kit if you need it. And she's just kind of eyeing him up and down. Oh, oh, that. Oh, no, that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Hadn't even put it together. <laughs> Let's get you something to eat, shall we? Okay, if you say so. We also have changes of socks. Sorry about that. Oh, does she have wet socks now? I would think at this point the ice magic is like very temporary. It's like starting to melt. So you have wet shoes. I thought it was just like the rubber soles got frozen, not like the entire ankle. Because, ooh, wet socks are my pet peeve. Oh, fuck. Yeah, you probably should put those shoes by the refrigerator to dry off. (laughs) By the refrigerator? Do you mean by the heater? By the radiator? Do you not know that? You can put your shoes in front of your refrigerator and because it's sending heat out of itself, it will warm them and dry them off faster. I didn't know this. Yeah, life hack. That sounds fake as fuck, but okay. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) Try it. It, It's worked for me. All right. I'll consider it. Makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. She will follow him into the community center, assuming her feet are now free. Yep. Walks in, um, turns on some lights, turns on the other lights, turns on the other lights. So what are you thinking? Cereal? You see the community center foyer? It's, I don't know. How have we described it, Hugo? Oh boy, how did we describe it? I think we said it was like, it's almost like a library immediately when you come in. Yeah. Like that's the kind of energy it gives off. But yeah, there's doors that like clearly lead into a cafeteria area. There's another hallway that goes down a ways. Did we say it was circular? It is a, um, I forget what the term for nine-sided building is. Nonagon. Nonagonular? Nonagonal? Non- hmm. Nonagonal. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been in- invested in a trilogy of book series that is actually very invested in Latin in, words in, for yes, nine. Yep. Nope. I know exactly what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. Everything spreads from this front foyer mm-hmm. into what look like the nine hallways or segments of this building. It also doesn't quite match what it looks like on the outside, so it's it's iffy sometimes. Explain what you mean by that. Like, is it? Explain the contrast of the exterior to the interior to me, just out of curiosity. Wibbly wobbly. Uh huh. Timey wimey. Uh huh. It's a little bigger on the inside. <laughs> okay. I think she just kind of lets out a low whistle. Okay. Sorry. What was your question? Cereal, pancakes, waffles. I know we have some orange juice around here somewhere, possibly some apple juice. We might be running low, though. I'm not picky. Whatever's easiest. Well, you're going to have to make a choice. Or you can have all of them, but that's going to take some time. (laughs) Pancakes would be fine. I can help make them if you need a break, though. I'm not going to be insulted by this. She's not trying to insult. She's actually, like, offering to make you pancakes. (laughs) Yeah, but Hugo's a cook. 
he comes from a family of cooks. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I forgot. <laughs> so I'm assuming he shows her the way to like the cafeteria, the kitchen or whatever. You guys can get food easily enough and yeah. eventually sit down unless you want to role play out cooking pancakes. But like we can cut to you guys sharing a meal. He was actually going to just start cooking them while letting Val just wander as needed. Oh, okay. I mean, if he does that, she is going to try to wander her way over to the library. Yep. Mm-hmm. The library especially has that sort of, why are there three stories in this building? I thought I thought it was a one-story building when I walked in. Yeah, yeah. Just stacks and stacks of books and walls that are just cubbies where scrolls sit inside and <laughs> staircases that slide along tracks, you know, and ladders to climb up to different sections and nooks and reading areas. Does this library use the Dewey Decimal System? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> so this is disorganized as fuck. Oh, no, it's organized. Oh, is it? It's just not the Dewey Decimal System. Okay, so what is it organized <laughs> <Yeah>. by? <laughs> what is the organizational system? Is it is it easy to understand for the user? No, it's some ancient occult whispered, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Categorizing of like, this was done in the era of giants. And this is from, you know, <laughs> pre-Dark Ages sorcery authors A to M. <laughs> like, and now there's a bunch of like face slice of life novels and everything. It's It's weird. Just the occasional romance novel. There's like book of the week and it's like whatever popular folk author is like <laughs> making the rounds in <laughs> pop culture. I love it. Okay. I think she's just going to try to start looking for titles that say artifice on them mm -hmm. and just start there. Sure. And if she sees anything, she will pluck it off the shelf and just like tuck it under her arm until she's got like a stack of three to five. <laughs> yeah. Investigate a mystery for me. Nine. Okay, one question. What is being concealed here? It takes you a little while. A day, would you like to like show up with breakfast before she finds what she's after in here? You know what? Yes, because that's hilarious to me. No, that's super funny. Do it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll come back to it. As you are like scouring through shelves of books and like, you know, looking over, eventually Hugo shows up with a plate of pancakes for you. So we didn't have any chocolate chips. But we did have some strawberries, so. I feel like she's like reaching for a book and very precariously balancing on one foot. and On just a stack of other books. On a stack of other books. And she <laughs> has to like stop and like brace herself on the bookshelves and turn and look at Hugo. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. If you need to do some light reading, there's plenty of better options on the lower shelves. I have a particular interest. Right. Well, if you find what you're looking for, great. I'm just going to set this down over here. Try not to break anything. I make no promises. <sighs> they never do. So abrasive. Just can't be agreeable. <laughs> and it's at this moment, he's starting to slowly not remember, but he's getting some vibes. Right. This seems oddly familiar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're also tired. You've been out all night. Yep. If he starts to leave, I think she kind of like toils around in her brain a little bit about whether or not to ask. And then pipes up with, do you know anything about artifice? Hmm. Dr. Singh is an accomplished artificer, Hugo. I wouldn't say <laughs> I have some experience with it, but not that knowledgeable. I know some people. Why? 
She's going to get down from the stack of books. If you're looking for some like manufacturers for stuff, I might be able to get you in contact with someone. If you need repairs for some things, possibly can do that too. If you're just looking to start your own education in it, have some resources. There's definitely like a beginner section or like some of Rhea's textbooks and things that she's brought from her dad's workshop to have as like a reference in the library. Trying to learn. I've got this friend who might be getting mixed up into something they shouldn't be. And it involves artifice. So I thought if I understood better, I could help them figure out what to do next. Well, that's an admirable use of knowledge. So hmm. let's see what we can find for you. And now I will say what's being concealed here. You find several books on basic artifice principles. Hugo, do you stick around while Val is reading or do you eventually leave her with the pancakes? So he's going to leave her with the pancakes if it seems like she needs space. But once he's out of vision and such, you can most certainly be assured that he's going to be just like scrying in on the space. That seems correct. That seems very correct. Val, as you're reading... Noshing on pancakes. (laughs) She's not going to refuse free food. (laughs) Trying not to get syrup on the pages of the book. Yeah. Um... Uh, I think the like other like what's being concealed here thing I can answer for you is within like the first chapter, the preamble of this book of basic artifice principles, blah, blah, blah. It goes into the different applications of artifice, one of which being replacement of missing or augmentations for limbs and that sort of thing. And it very quickly gets into how artifice draws upon the power within the wearer or the wielder. And that given enough craft and enough understanding of the art form of artifice that great things can be achieved with no more power supply than that provided by the human spark. And as you're reading this and you're eating the pancakes, I'll say you can realize, well, yeah, you did just eat something and that's probably good for you, but you are starting to feel better again, like you were in the East Agency holding cell. Mm -hmm. I'll let you decide whether Val puts that together with having removed the battery a little while back. She's no scientist, but I don't think she's stupid. I think reading this passage says, hey, artifice is powered by human spark energy and can even exceed expectations from what I'm understanding from your explanation. Meaning that like the fact that you were able to power your taser, Uh right? Without an external power source, that's kind of what they're implying. Right. Magical effects can be achieved with no other outside input. Exactly. I think it validates her enough to keep the battery out. Her thought that she doesn't need the battery. Mm -hmm. I think if anything, it leaves her feeling a little cocky, just a little bit. Like she's better than everybody else, maybe. Because maybe some people do need the battery. Like there is no logical reasoning for her to question why the battery was made. Yeah, There, There was logic behind like, why do I feel fine without it? But not, oh, the battery is harming me. You might recall the gnomish artificers. Oh yeah, he said something about her work being shoddy. Yeah, her work not really doing well if it was based off that battery supply. Right, oh. So that does bring up a question for her, but I, again, I don't know if that confirms that for her. The only thing that she feels certain about now is that she doesn't need the battery and she's not going to put it back in. And she's just not going to tell Victoria that she took it out. She's going to keep that to herself for now. And I think she's starting to feel a little sleepy. (laughs) 
and might fall asleep with half-finished pancakes in a pile of books. So Hugo, you eventually see Val kind of nod off despite maybe being excited at first about discovering this little bit of knowledge. Nanny goes back in, drops off a blanket and a pillow, and tiptoes back out. Thanks, Uncle Hugo. (laughs) (laughs) And Hugo, you eventually retire to get some rest yourself. The next morning, we are going to cut to the Eastie Agency, where the bustle of activity which we last saw has quadrupled given the unprecedented attack on Eastie Agency holding, the likes of which we have not seen since the Radio Ghost incursion two years ago. And that one was internally uh, instigated. There is heightened security. There are people double-checking and triple-checking everyone arriving for different spells and going through, like, metals detector things. Even, like, trusted agents now are being, like, scanned pretty thoroughly. But we will say that the three of you, Whitaker, Damien, and Raven, you've all gotten through all that at this point and are now meeting with Gimmer and some of the other agents looking over the scene where the break-in happened and have, like, shared the information of like, yeah, no, this artifice is preying upon people at this point. You can pick up that scene wherever you'd like. Whitaker gives back the vape pen he's uh, hid for Prithy in the scabbard of his sword. They don't scan the sword anymore, just stuff whatever you want in there. Can you believe <laughs> it? That new security process took my wheels from my heelys. I'm sure they'll give them back on your way out. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real though, they probably would have taken them away from you regardless. Only if I got caught and they couldn't catch me if I'm wearing Heelys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this conversation is happening as we're walking up to the scene where it happened. And so we feel like we can be in kind of a silly, jokey mood. And then we see the hole blown in the wall like, oh. Yeah. All right. Well, guess we'll review security tapes, see where they went, try to get as much info as possible. Well, finding her should be the easy part. What? Yeah, because I put a tracker in her hand last night. You, fucking hell, Damien. You only had that thing for like an hour. I mean, Im- impressive instincts, Damien. Damn, that was quick. Did you get clearance to do that? Or you just... No, it's you. You just did it. Well, what do we do? How do we track her? Bam! A big electronic device with like a beeping and antenna out the side of it gets put down on a table and Gimmer like climbs up onto a, a chair so we can be at eye level with you all. And he says, with this. <laughs> all right, Gimmer, what's the situation? Dare I say, spill the security. Well, I'm feeling very lucky to be alive at all because I was researching the thing that blew up down here minutes before I put it back in the holding drawer and then it exploded. Jesus Christ, Gimma, you gotta stop leaving your explosives around. I didn't put an explosive. In fact, I didn't even see one. It was like it reacted, we're thinking. I mean, clearly whoever was brought in was sort of like a trigger because their device also exploded. Um, Don't go down hallway C. It's a mess. Um, But... Yeah, it seemed to like create like a resonance with whatever was inside the other device here in evidence holding. Set off a chain reaction. That's why they, you know, it just threw everything out of whack. So this is, and to be clear, this is one of the artifices devices, one of the witches' devices. Yeah, that arm that you guys brought in. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you think it was from the crystal that they were using? 
Potentially, yeah. Those batteries could have set something off in it. And this happened right after we got off the phone last night? Uh, like an hour or two had passed, yeah. Jeez. Well, I'm glad you're still here. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Raven. Gimme, that explosion, any chance we could recreate it in the future? Um, if you had another battery, I could screw around with one, I suppose. But I mean, clearly very dangerous. Like, All right, put that on the shelf, then we'll get back to it. But you're saying we could feasibly create a frequency that makes these things explode? I don't know about a frequency, but whatever was in the arm attached to the person who was brought in, clearly a plant. Man, this witch is diabolical. She's just like sacrificing people to get other people and also destroy the evidence. So now we have like nothing to go off of, except the one that we put a tracker in. For once, your instinct to tag just about anything you can get your hands on paid off, Edgecrest. Well, I just like trying to be thorough. Uh, Gimmer, was there some sort of warning that we could perhaps be on the lookout in case we come across one of these people? You know, that way we can know to run away from it and not get blown up. Well, in the security tapes, the person who got brought in, the artifice arm attached to them let off like this like sort of sea foamy green flash. And then that like seemed to trigger something in the other arm and they both went up. Seafoam green. Nice description, Gimmer. I know green, man. Points this green skin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a goblin. We got 15 words for green. <laughs> Next, you're going to have him say it's not easy being green. Well, it's not, Val. We keep saying I'm going to like pitch up my voice. Just like my voice pitched up will be Gimmer. But I don't know. Maybe Gimmer talks like this. Fuck no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Kermit to the bit. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> we didn't lose anyone from the agency, did we? No. Fortunately, magic healing is pretty standard in our emergency response these days, so that helped. And it was that fast? It was just a flash and then they both went up? There was no other warning? No, I mean, there was hardly any time to react. We're lucky, you know, we didn't lose anybody, but yeah. Except the artificer, or the person wearing the arm? Well, the person whose arm blew up right next to them, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And like, people are in the hospital now. Like, it's, it was bad. Yeah, it sounds... Awful. Still, a flash isn't much of a warning. If it's that quick, by the time we see it, we'd be too late to react. Well, yeah, I wouldn't recommend rushing in when confronting these people again. But anyway, the tracking device is active. We can keep a lock on her location thanks to this receiver. She's actually stopped moving for a bit, so we think she's either resting or meeting with someone. And Gimmer shows you on the screen of his device a little stationary ping going off on a map of Portland. Raven, roll sharp. That's an eight. Having worked in Portland so much over the last couple of years, you've got a decent mental map of the city. The ping is coming from Hugo's community center. Like definitely for sure in the community center? Definitely for sure. You recognize the shape of the building and the layout of the park across the street. Guys, that's Hugo's place. Why is she there? She doesn't know that much about us, does she? We have no idea. Wait, the community center across from Tabor Park? And Gimmer pulls his phone out to check something. All Steph and Dark Heather headed over there a little while ago, uh, chasing a lead on this case. There's some artificer who matched the description of the one that got away with the Philosopher's Stone. They'll get the notification about this soon. Maybe they can catch her. No, wait, hold on. I don't want them starting anything. That's our friend's place. Why did they get dispatched if it's a lead on our case? It's the whole agency's case now, Whitaker. We got attacked. Your team was up all night, so the agents that came in on call are out gathering intel. I can't stop the notification. It's an automated alert. Everyone in the field's going to get it. 
We did just pull a night shift. We couldn't have chased down this person if we didn't sleep anyway. You forget how much I love overtime, Eugenia. You can't earn overtime if you pass out from sleep deprivation. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, it's all good. We can just go after her now. It's time to lock and load. No, we are not locking or loading anything. Just give me a second. I'm going to call Hugo. Okay. Uh, let's do a couple things before that call happens. Gimmer can set you guys up with a signal from the receiver on your phones. You don't need to carry around this big, heavy device. Yeah, we should definitely do that right now. At least someone on our team should have Val's location on their phone. Mm-hmm. Easy enough. We're going to pause there because otherwise our timeline's going to get... Choppy. Yeah. Before we jump to the community center and what's happening over there, we have to check in with the fourth member of Rogue Team. Aiden, when you all got into headquarters this morning, she split off from the group right away because she has a therapy appointment. Yay! Vivian Auburn, the Bat Squatch, is now working at the agency as one of the medical staff, and so we will cut to her office for a quick scene where Aiden is getting through her session. I'm probably going to, like, get someone to record Vivian's lines and just have them be like a a voiced thing, right? So it's not just me going back and forth. But for now, I was about to make a joke and now we get to sit here and watch Natalie talk to herself for a whole scene. Watch Natalie put herself through therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, that's going to be so cute. I'm excited. So we see Vivian's office. It's like any therapist's office. It's just like very light colors, very soft. Everything's like nice. She's got some like hanging plants and photos on the wall of her, Gary and Danny. There's like a big picture of Echo Bay and their log cabin house and everything. And Aiden is just sort of sitting on a couch across from Vivian, who's in like a nice cushy chair that accommodates her large bat squatch wings as she's like taking notes on a big clipboard. Aiden is actually holding a stuffed plushie of the Willatuck Lake monster, which has a whole line of merch now that it's a protected species and is being publicly studied. Oh. Aiden is going off a little bit. She's clearly in a moment of unfiltered sharing as she vents some frustration. And I don't even know how to respond when people confront me like that. I I can't be everywhere at once. But it still hurts finding out that I wasn't there when somebody needed me. (sighs) Anyway. That's gotta be hard. Do you have anyone you can talk to about that stuff? No. There aren't really a lot of people who can empathize with how long I've been around doing this job. And I'm not really in touch with many people outside my immediate circle. Raven's great at listening, but sometimes I'm worried I'm just a little too much for her. I don't want to stress her out. She's been having a lot of stress dreams and nightmares lately. I don't want to add to that. Can I ask you something? How are you doing, Aiden? I mean, I'm okay. I'm just worried about Raven. And now there's all these people that this artificer is taking advantage of, and- Hold that thought, honey. I asked how you are doing. As in, what are you doing for yourself? What? Exactly. Darling, we've gone over before how you can't protect all of humanity. I know it was the mission you got assigned, but it's just not realistic or healthy trying to carry all that by yourself. Yeah, so- I'm looking out for the people I'm closest to and doing what I can through the agency. Right. But there's someone very close to you that I don't think you're taking care of or enough. Damien? (laughs) I feel like I'm doing so much better with him lately. In fact, the other day... Yourself, sweetheart. Get her. (laughs) 
What does taking care of Aiden look like? Oh. Uh, I... I don't know. I know. But, like, if I'm not looking out for everyone else, what am I doing? Vivian sits there, and she watches Aiden attempting the mental gymnastics of this question she never asked herself. But she doesn't have the muscles developed in order to land anything. You don't need an answer, Aiden. This isn't a test. But that's what I'd like you to think about until our next session, okay? You need to include yourself in the list of people who matter and deserve to be looked after. Okay, um... I'll try. Aiden gets kind of emotional being put on the spot like this, and wrestling with the idea that she doesn't know what taking care of herself even means. Um... I'll... I'll work on that. Um... Yeah, I... I should have an answer for that. You'll do just fine, Aiden. Now, I've got you in the schedule for two weeks from now. That's still gonna work? Yeah. That should be fine. Thanks, Vivian. Anytime, honey. You have a good day now. And they do a little hug, and then Aiden heads out, and she will catch up with all of you after your meeting with Gimmer. Go to therapy! Woo! (laughs) It's good for you. All right. Now we will cut to the community center. Hugo? (laughs) You don't get to sleep for very long, unfortunately. Oops. You awake probably to, gosh, probably Jordan comes to get you. They like, you know, knock on your door very urgently. It's not a polite knock. It's just bang, 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 bang. Hugo. <laughs> yeah, what's up? Yep. Get it Hi. together, man. What? We got a situation. The agency's outside. Hold up. Okay, hold on. <laughs> mm, ow. Okay. <laughs> okay, what's up? Uh, I don't know. A couple agents showed up. They're questioning Rhea. Weird. Out front? Yeah, front desk. Walk on over. Okay, you walk over. As you get closer to the, like, front area, you start to hear Zuri's growling tiger voice and Rhea's also raised voice. Just very sharp responses, very like one word answers kind of a thing. Oh no. And you come upon a scene where Susie Darkheather and Lincoln Allstaff are there in their agency attire. And Susie seems very much just as on edge as the two Singh sisters, whereas Lincoln, in typical Lincoln fashion, is trying to like diffuse and deflate the situation as much as he can. Miss Singh, no one is accusing you of being associated with the group who attacked the guild last night. But if your alibi is so perfect, it shouldn't be a problem for you to answer our questions. If I am being accused of anything, Agent Darkheather, then I don't see why I should answer any of your questions or allow you to continue this interrogation within this space. If this is a community center, then as government agents, we have every right to engage in a public place as we see fit. Quote the Portland zoning laws to us. I fucking dare you. We are not here to question you. In fact, I think you should leave while we talk with your sister, unless you're deliberately trying to get in the way of our job. You're certainly intent on disrupting ours. You think just because she has some augments, you can barge in here and ask a bunch of probing questions about some random gang of artificers? Hugo told us the agency is supposed to be better than street cops, but it's not the first time he's been wrong. 
Ladies, please, this doesn't have to get ugly. Doc Heather, take a walk. You're out of line. Susie glares at Lincoln, then back to Zuri. You don't scare me, stripes. Fuck you, suit. As much as Zuri is physically reacting to this situation, i.e. shifting into her were-tiger form, Rhea hasn't moved a muscle other than to raise her voice. And she still remains almost perfectly still, arms folded in front of her. Her augments, which are similar to Salem's, remain folded neatly against her scapula. Lincoln turns to her. Miss Singh, I apologize for Agent Doc Heather. I understand you can vouch for your whereabouts last night. This is a routine intel gathering assignment. We only want to know if you've heard or know anything that could help us locate the group who escaped agency custody and landed a lot of people in the hospital. I would ask further questions about the artifice abilities we've seen on display, but I can see that's a touchy subject. Agent Allstaff, if I am under arrest, you can bring me in and question me at your agency. Otherwise, I have given you more information than you deserve. And I don't see any reason why I should continue to entertain this conversation. Hey, uh, what's going on, folks? Oh, thank God. Mr. Rashad, good morning. Good to see you. We were sent here by the agency to follow up on a case that Rogue Team, friends of yours, are in the middle of. Some very dangerous, very cunning artificers attacked a shipment last night, sir. And early this morning, they also bombed Agency Holding in order for one of theirs to escape custody. Now, officially, I'm not saying the agency is lumping your associate in with that group, but our records indicated that a similar artifice to one of the suspects was registered to Miss Singh, and we were sent to ask her about its design and where she got it from to seek out a lead. Again, I'm not pointing fingers, and neither is it the agency's stance that you are a suspect, Miss Singh. We just wanted to look into it in case there was anything we could learn from the correlation. Zuri growls again, her eyes still locked on Susie, who has stepped outside at this point and seems to be on the phone. Make them leave, Hugo. I'm a simple man, Mr. Rashad. I'm not trying to ruin anyone's morning with this. I'm just here doing my job. M Mr. Allstaff, you, you have to understand, you have already ruined my morning. <laughs> Ooh. Yo. Ooh. Let's go, Hugo. There are a few things that I will allow to happen. People can berate me all they want. People can hate me all they want. As soon as you start messing with my people, we have a problem. Fucking get them. Now, firstly, do you have a warrant to be here? He pulls out his agency badge and he says, we don't have a warrant because we are not here to arrest anyone. We're simply doing our due diligence to look into an incident last night which endangered several of our people. Good. Then in that case, I'm assuming you'll be amiable to stepping outside with me. Susie actually comes inside again. She does not look calmer and she starts calling to Lincoln. All staff, we have a situation. But he cuts her off with a hand held up. Doc Heather, outside. You don't outrank me. They have- I said outside. Give me a minute to clean up this mess. He turns to make eye contact with you, Hugo. Of course, sir. Sorry for intruding. Miss Singh, Miss Singh, have a pleasant day. And he will turn and head out of the center, much to Susie's protestations. As you leave, Hugo, 
Rhea will like stop you with one of her arms. She doesn't move like her, her normal arms or really her feet at all, but one of her arms extends and taps you on the shoulder and she gives you a look of like, I could have handled it. Yeah, you could have, but you shouldn't have to. Also, have I ever told you about the time that I kicked her ass? <laughs> <laughs> she cracks an uncharacteristic grin and uh, she says, it's not like you to brag and I don't know if she's worth it either. <laughs> wow. <sighs> Thanks. And he's going to walk out. You step outside and Susie is very heatedly speaking to Lincoln in a voice that is only hushed because of how angry she is. Lincoln seems to be taking this like a duck in rain. <laughs> and he just turns to you and says, This is far enough out, sir. We can't go across the street, but I see there's some people gathering over there. And you see the folk protesters are already starting to like march out of the bushes and the trees with their signs <laughs> and form their picket line. Christ. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot to get the coffee. Oh. I'll deal with that later. This is perfectly fine. We're out in the open, in public. Now, can you explain to me exactly what's been going on? What happened? Why you're here? Well, let's get the timeline straight. Last night, uh, your friends, Whitaker and the rest, uh, were part of a protection detail for a delivery of supplies at the Nomash Artificers Guild down in the industrial district. Now, that was shall we say, not the cleanest operation. Uh, and a figure bearing similar augmentations to your friend Miss Singh escaped from the scene with a very valuable artifact. Now, we are not pointing fingers. No one is accusing Miss Singh as she said she is a perfect alibi working here last night. Uh, I don't know how late your hours go, but she could vouch for several witnesses, it seems. So we're just looking into other people with those augmentations, because again, through our agency research, we've learned that this other figure uh, seems to be preying upon people, using augmentation to drain their life force, uh, which again, of course, is illegal. So uh, we are just trying to make sure that she is not in contact with these people. Now that they are in possession of this artifact they stole from the gnomes, the agency has made this other person a high priority, as it were. And Susie steps her way into the conversation, cutting off Lincoln. Mr. Rashad, one of these augmented individuals was detained last night and then broke out of agency holding by an explosive attack. Our intel says that she is in your facility right now. I'm sorry, what? Oh, fuck. Fucking Christ on a bike. <laughs> And Susie holds out her phone, which is displaying that little tracker ping and the alert she just received, which went out to all the field agents. I don't have a warrant for your colleagues, but there is a standing order to arrest this escaped suspect. Okay. Let me, let me roll back some stuff in my head real quick. Take your time with that. She says to Lincoln, I'm calling in a team. Give us just a moment, sir. Doc, Heather, let's just approach this delicately, all right? And Lincoln will engage with Susie to give you an actual second to process, Hugo. I'm so sorry. Where has she been that that was happening? How late were people here last night? Uh, because he, he doesn't have any knowledge of people being here very late last night. So that's an entire separate issue he's starting to deal with now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hmm. Lincoln eventually gets Susie to not immediately storm the community center. And he comes over to you and sits on the bench near you with his head in his hands for a moment. Then he looks up at you. 
<sighs> this, this is not a great situation, Hugo. I hope you don't mind me being a little familiar, given our history and mutual friends. I would prefer not to let Doc Heather in there after the fugitive, because I feel like that could easily lead to an altercation with your staff. So, how do you want to proceed here? <sighs> ring, 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 ring. Your phone rings, Hugo, as Whitaker calls you. For familiarity, just a moment. Hugo, you all right? Uh, apparently not. Yo, are, are you hurt? Are you injured? Is the community center all right? Community center's fine, but, um, you got some people here asking some very pointed questions. We had a runaway last night who's currently in the community center. There, there's all the information you need to know in, like, one quick sentence, so you didn't need to, like, pass through it or anything. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? Thank you for that. Thank you very much for that. I don't play these games with you, Hugo. You're my friend. So more importantly, how soon are you going to get here? I am on my bike. He's not. He is getting his bike helmet on. You're, you're talking while you're on your... Mm. He's on his bike, still standing in the garage, not having left yet. <laughs> I can be there very quickly if I break a few speed limits. What speed limits? Exactly. Okay, well, I am going to go and have a talk with someone inside and try to get at least a bit more perspective on this, I apologize in advance. Hey, Hugo, don't apologize to me. Now put me on the phone with Allstaff. <laughs> <laughs> and Hugo's going to look over at Allstaff, back at his phone, Allstaff, back at his phone. It's for you. <laughs> <laughs> he looks at the caller ID. Agent Whitaker, good morning, sir. Allstaff, what are you doing over there? Routine intel job. We were just trying to gather leads on this artificer case. But if I overheard right just now, am I to assume Rogue Team is back on duty? Because if so, I will prevent Agent Doc Heather from taking any rash or ill-advised action without your presence on scene, on account of your pre-existing jurisdiction on this case. Susie looks like she's going to pop a blood vessel, but she just angrily flips Lincoln off as he shoots a wry look at Hugo. I'm going to be over in a bit to back you up, but like, please don't forget that Hugo is a very well-trained martial force to be reckoned with and probably could deal with a dangerous person if need be. I think my assignment partner is keenly aware of that fact, as am I. <laughs> am I correct then in assuming that Rogue Team is being dispatched to help apprehend the uh, escapee? Woo, Rogue Team, let's go! Just in the background. <laughs> yes. Very good, sir. Very good. I will defer to your leadership on this operation. Thank you very much. And I appreciate you making sure that the escapee doesn't become an escapee squared. See you soon. <laughs> he just hangs up. He gives the phone back to you, Hugo. And he says, I will admit to being a little nervous about standing here empty-handed when your friends arrive. As I asked before, how would you like to go about this? <sighs> if you would be so kind as to wait out here while I go and have a talk. I can give you as long as it takes for Whitaker and his team to arrive. Now, with that angel, I don't know how long that's going to be. I will take that much plus probably 10 minutes. <laughs> Agent Dark Heather scowls at you and Lincoln and says, Hopefully nothing explodes before then. All this new construction looks expensive. I like that Dark Heather implies the existence of a light Heather. <laughs> a nicer, kinder light Heather. <laughs> But right now we've got Dark Heather. 
dark Heather. <laughs> uh, Hugo gets two selfies. Uh, the one is Damien in the bomb squad suit, all like happy and smiling. And then the second one is a group selfie where someone has told him that he should have waited until they got there to put the suit on because now he has mm-hmm. to sit there in the suit during the entire drive there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Damien, what the hell? Nope, I shouldn't be surprised. This is normal. Okay. Rogue Squad is headed out. Hugo, you can go inside. We're going to the library. What do we see? Valentine. Yeah. What were the two things from your burglary roll that were going to happen? That I don't do successfully? Mm-hmm. Get out undetected and don't leave a mess. I think you are aware of some altercation happening in the front foyer. I think some of Zuri's roars probably woke you, uh-huh. or at least the running around and banging that Jordan was doing outside Hugo's room. Uh-huh. So I think, Hugo, when you arrive, is it fair to say, Val, that he might see you about to climb out the window? Oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> if we had had time to do like a split cut, she would have been listening by the entrance to the library to like sort of hear what was going on and be like, oh, fuck, time to go. Yeah, agents are here, so. Yep. Yeah, agents are agenting. So we're going to find an escape route. Um, So yeah, she is absolutely like mid-climbing out a window. Okay. Also, she definitely got some syrup on one of the books. Oops. That's the mess. That's the mess. (laughs) (laughs) I was typing that exact thing in the chat right when you said it. Brittany, how dare you read my mind? (laughs) Same brain cell. Love that for us. Just makes sense. It does make sense. So that's, that's what you see, Hugo. This person you let in out of the kindness of your heart. Dining and dashing. How high up is the window? What, what is the window access? It depends what floor of the library window you were crawling out of, though. I think she went to the second floor. Something about like all the stacks and stacks of books makes me feel like the windows on the first floor aren't that accessible. I'm getting the impression that it's not a very tidy library. Here's what I'll say. The windows on the first floor, uh-huh. if you look out, lead to just some like bushes and like the outside of the community center. Right. When you go to the second floor to see if those have a better vantage point or something, you see bushes outside and the outside of the community center. What the fuck? Bigger on the inside. Oh my god. Trying for it to be zoom zoom, freeze freeze, or freeze shock shock. He says this to Val. (laughs) (laughs) I vote zoom zoom. Then let's zoom zoom. Okay, act under pressure. Boop, 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 boop. Seven, which is terrible when you have a plus three. (laughs) Yeah. And this is how we get a mess. Mm. Yeah, I think you zip over to Val in time to like be near her as she's climbing out the window, but this isn't going to go perfectly for you. What do you think, Valentine? What are you, where are you at? You just trying to dip out? Yeah, she's just trying to dip out. I think she's got like one leg out the window already. Like she got to the second floor, saw that there was still bushes and she was like, Mm -hmm. fuck it. And she started going for it. Okay, then I'll have you act under pressure too. (laughs) Act under pressure, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. Yeah, um, that's a four. Okay. (laughs) Be thriving. Make sure you're marking your experience. I I am this time. (laughs) I think this will let Hugo get like, well, I'll ask you, would you try and get a hold of her, Hugo? like stop her from crawling out the window? He's going for the leg, but he's probably going to fall in some books at the same time. Oh, here we go. Mm-hmm. You go for the leg, you catch the hand. Oh, wait, 
The hand? The hand. Oh, okay. He goes catching these hands. <laughs> oh, this is going to be hilarious. Okay. You were like grasping her hand at the wrist kind of a thing of like, wait. Did they both fall over and have a meet cute? <laughs> Twice in a row. Val's working her way through the whole squad. Yeah, every whole single squad. squad member has to have a meet cute moment with Val. Yeah, no, I. this is law now. This absolutely has to happen. Whitaker, you're next. Go ahead and try. I'm gay. So am I, bitch. <laughs> we recognize it's real. Their bond is like two positive ions colliding. Oh, man, my face hurts. What are you guys doing? And pull. Yeah, I'll let you pull her inside. I think you're fast enough that you like, she's like out of the window at this point. I think she hits her head on the window frame. Um, Just like bonks it. Not like, yeah. not like knocks herself unconscious. Yeah, not harm. But you know, you get pulled through the window frame mm-hmm, inside mm-hmm. up against the balustrade of this like yeah. second level tier of the library now. You can zap them if you want to zap them, but it might not go as you expect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he's grabbing her wrist right now, right? So I don't even think she'd be able to. She already knows that he knows. I think she's going to try to play the sympathy card a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't want any trouble. I just want an answers. And if they take me in, I'm not getting those answers. Roll manipulate someone. All right. For the love of fucking God. Okay. Let's see. Plus two. That's a 10 total. If they do what you ask, they mark experience and get plus one forward. Hmm. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to. You see, I'm I'm more vacillating on what doing what is asked in this case ends up being. Uh, I mean, she, you, it's clear she wants to get out of here and escape. Yeah, the implication is, let me go, please. Let me run away, please. I'm just a little flea foo <laughs> <laughs> He's going to look her square in the face. Mm-hmm. He's going to commit her face to memory. Can he do that? <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh, that was mean. Oh my god, that was so rude. <laughs> Sorry. Rude. Damn. I feel like that all took us a second. Hey, hey Durs. Nice. That was good. That was very good. <sighs> Ouch. You have thirty seconds. I'm assuming he lets her go. She bolts. Mm-hmm. You climb out the window. You are on ground level. You take off. Mm-hmm. Hugo, where do you go from here? Back outside. Okay. You come through the foyer. Rhea and Zuri are still at the front desk. Zuri has reverted back down into a more humanoid form, but similar to Jordan, she has the tiger fur kind of still creeping at the sides of her face, and like her nails are extra long right now as she like files one of them. And they give you kind of a glance of like trying to read your mood and disposition to be like what's next so on his way out he's going to turn toward both of them we're going to have a talk later sure yeah whatever you need and he's going to continue out they nod they agree you walk out you open the door again lincoln i think he's like crouched down examining one of the plants that's like been put in Uh, and like if you walk up he's kind of just like this is nice work I gotta, I gotta get the number of your landscaper. This is, is this a perennial? Do you know? Probably. We haven't had it around long enough for me to actually know. Fair enough. You still have your dot thingy, right? <laughs> he uh, pats his like coat pocket, which like has a little phone outline in it, and he stands up and he says, "Well, I don't think I'll be needing that right away because by the time 
Agent Whitaker arrives, we will need to formulate a new plan, considering you let him go. My knees aren't what they used to be. I was not about to start a foot chase, so uh, figured I would take some time to smell the roses. Hmm. Now, the roses that we have, they are perennial for some reason. It's its really weird. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Might be any gestures at like the gathering of folk across the way. <laughs> Better magical horticulture or whatever. Yeah. Pr- probably. I like to call it just horticulture. It's magic either way. That's fair. Um, well, a good morning to you, Mr. Rashad. Uh, good luck with this place, I suppose. <clears throat> Doc Heather? And she like is on the phone muttering stuff under her breath and then hangs up and we'll come over next to him. Don't get used to holding up agency investigations, Mr. Rashad. You may have friends at the agency, but the director's patience can be worn thin, if tested too often. (laughs) And we see a slight flashback in his head of him remembering the encounter that didn't happen with the director, but that he thinks he is potentially capable of having. Mm. (laughs) And about this time, we see Rogue Team arriving on the scene. Whitaker pulls up on his bike with Raven... And there is a gold flash as Aiden appears with Damien in a full bomb response outfit. Oh, I thought Raven had her own bike. Well, would you have taken separate vehicles to like get here if you're on, on the clock at work? Or eh. Let Raven have a bike. Sure. Everyone gets a bike. Everyone gets Two a bike. Two bikes pull up. <laughs> at this point, is Whitaker aware that the suspect has moved on? Is he getting live tweets from Gimmer? Yeah, I think as soon as you pull your phone out, you can see that little dot is moving quickly away from the center. Is the community center up in flames? No. Then we're good. I put this in chat, but she absolutely stole a car on the way out. <laughs> is that an ability you have? <laughs> I have plus one ongoing while driving. Plus, you can hotwire anything. The older it is, the fewer tools you need to do it. You also own two handy, widely available vehicles. So yes, I can. I can fucking hotwire a car. Is there a role necessary? Not necessarily. I would imagine I would pair that with, like, Burglar. Yeah. We did that last time when she met everybody. Right, right. I'll let you steal a car. You hotwire some car and take off. Yeah, a a car, a motorcycle, whatever. But yeah, she steals a vehicle. I think the car so you can hide inside of it without being seen from the outside as easily. Yeah, I I would think she'd go for a car. Yeah. If you're trying to find an old one that maybe yep. is less identifiable, easier to dump, that kind of a thing. Yeah, especially if she ran like a couple of blocks away from the community center uh-huh. and then found a car and hotwired it and left. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Everyone, Hugo's here. You haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> Damien waddles over for a hug. Hugo! <laughs> Damien, you, you look like a Stay puff Marshmallow Man. <laughs> Listen, this body is only two years old. I'm going to keep it nice. Cool. Well, that body's going to have to get moving. Are you okay? Uh, I gave her 30 seconds. And that's already well and gone by now, so we probably should get moving. You let her have a head start? Raven's just like already putting her helmet back on. <laughs> Your generosity astounds me, Hugo. Get in the sidecar. All staff is like, what's the play here? Are you just going to pursue? Should I let headquarters know that you're about to engage in a traffic chase? Hell yeah. Folks, do we want to, narratively, do we want to engage in a traffic chase? 
I was thinking of just taking our sweet time. Yeah, I want to follow her, but not all of us loudly, quickly together. Yeah. You had talked last night with Hugo about, like, getting together to, like, come up with a plan for things. And now that you don't have Val in the center, it might make sense to pause and, like... Yeah, we've still got her location. Right. Oh, yeah, it's still, it's still paying her. It's just she's not... You know, she's moving away at speed of vehicle now, so... Yeah. Whitaker is looking at his phone, and he looks back at all staff and says... Nah, hold off on it. I don't think she's going anywhere dangerous. I want to see what she does. As far as I know, this thing's been going since Gimma realized, so I don't know if we have their uh, specific location history. We can look that up. Maybe Devon has uh, access to those files. I'll get them tracking it as soon as possible at the very least. All right, sounds good. Perhaps you will have better luck asking Miss Singh about the artifice things going on in this town. But I am going to take Doc at the back to debrief and uh, get back to our normal assignments. See you around, Agent All Staff. Take care, everyone. And he and Susie will take a walk. I suppose they also had a vehicle. They drive off in a nondescript black car. (laughs) That makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, until we get a sponsored, and then it can be a very descript car. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like he drives like a black, like, station wagon. Oh, my God. That feels like Lincoln's kind of car. Yeah. It's weird that he doesn't drive a Lincoln. Hey. You guys are together. What do you want to do? You all want to talk here or do you want to go somewhere with less of a Whitaker's looking over at the crowd? Silently, not a peep, just (laughs) very stoically (laughs) upset looking holding signs. (laughs) Can we give him a wave just because? Yeah, of course. We all turn and wave. Smile and wave, boys. Just smile and wave. Whitaker doesn't. He's a government agent. He doesn't interact with this shit. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a supernatural incursion, I suppose, technically. Raven turns and waves. Well, if we're not in as much of a rush as I thought we'd be, want to grab some food? Well, actually, Hugo, very quickly, did it seem like she was going somewhere to hurt someone? Follow me. And he was going to take Whitaker and Raven and Damien and Aiden over to a circular water fountain structure that's outside of the facility. Mm. Can I do another use magic? Yeah. (gasps) This time, specifically to observe. (gasps) Yep, doing that thing. Mm -hmm. I see you. No, he sees you. (laughs) (laughs) Ten. Nice. Ooh. Can you describe the, the way this magic, like, appears in the pond or, like, what happens here? So similar to what had happened a while back on the beach, he is going to cause the surface of the water to freeze over. Mm-hmm. And then as he clears off some extra frost from it, we get a nice looking glass view of what do they see? Ooh, it's a view from the rear view mirror of the car that Val stole. Ooh, that's super That's cool. good. That's really good. Yeah. Keeping in theme of like it shows mirrors. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on in the car? It's a lot of her checking the rearview mirror up above, checking the rearview mirror to the left side, making sure nobody's following her. I think eventually you see her pull over, get out of the car. Like she and she like parks the car in like a non-metered spot and just parks it, leaves the car behind, walks a few blocks away. I think you can kind of catch a glimpse of her walking into a storefront? I don't know if you'd be able to see the details of said storefront. So I'm pretty sure that she doesn't intend to harm anyone. From the sounds of things, from a little conversation we had early in the morning, she wants to help someone. But 
The road to hell's paved with good intentions. Sorry, Damien. Do you want to change? That gear doesn't look comfortable. It's all good. I am protecting myself. We already had one exploding artifice thing, and uh, I don't think that's going to be the last one. Sorry, what? Did all staff not explain that part? Yeah, the reason I'm in this bomb suit is because one of her associates had one of those artificed hands and it exploded. At the agency. So. Right. Lincoln did mention that. Sorry. There was a lot of information I needed to process very quickly this morning. Hugo, she wasn't with anyone else, was she? Not that I saw. My worry was that she's with whoever broke her out, but if it's just her on her own, then I'm not as worried, I suppose. That does explain why she looked so tired, hungry, and just, like, disheveled. Definitely seen better days. Well, I can understand why you would have let her in. I mean, she did help us with that thing at Yosemite. Wait, what? (laughs) Oh, shit, I keep forgetting that. Yeah, do you remember the Nightcrawlers? The, um, what what are the... the boys called the, the little legs was it nightcrawlers fresno nightcrawlers technically that's what they're called like in our world um in the world of the story i don't think we ever gave them a name they were they were just like the defenders of that particular woods the yosemite crawlers the little white blood cell babies <laughs> whitaker does little walking legs with his hands <laughs> like you know the little guys you know sweet little things with the legs we, we, we got their names didn't we you called them Capri and Jegging. <laughs> Hugo, don't tell me you forgot Capri and Jegging. How could I forget a name like that? I have a drawing of them on my iPad. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I love them. I thought I had their names too, but I didn't add it to the drawing. Do you want me to remind you what their names were? Mimu and Rear. Yep. I remember <laughs> because I have brain rot over that episode. <laughs> And to be clear, she is not Capri, nor is she jegging. She is, in fact, the um, the other person we met there with the book. One who is bad at magic. She is the one that we let take the... Mm-hmm. Did she have the book with her? If she did, I didn't see it. Actually, that's a good question. Natalie, do we still have the book in evidence? No, she has it. I described when she escaped how she retrieved the book from the evidence locker. Oh, that's right. Mm. That's she right, just that's didn't right. take it with her. I don't want to mechanically punish Mel while her character is running around as a fugitive. But you know what? That entirely explains the sass. Yep. I don't know if anything can fully explain the sass. <sighs> it took us a little to recognize her too, though. It's not obvious. Yeah. Well, we can't let her run free forever. But we should see where she goes. Right. Oh, don't worry. She's not free. Oh, yeah. No one's free under the surveillance state. Did we say over the <laughs> scrying pool as members of the surveillance state? <laughs> Well, I, I, I meant she's a, a victim of her own consequences and stuff, but yeah, sure. God, what information do we want to reveal to Hugo now? All of it? No secrets. Might as well. He's involved. We give Hugo the rundown. Yeah, Lincoln also offhandedly already mentioned that the, like, artifice is hurting people and, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you know if Dr. Singh is available for comment? Kim is good at what he does, but Singh's work seems a lot more like what we were dealing with in the field. Whitaker, let me stop you right there. Because I already had to stop Susie from taking that line of questioning too far with Rhea and Zuri this morning. The magical community is coming together, but it doesn't mean everyone knows everyone. Well, I didn't mean it like that. I just figured that... Right, no. Sorry, Hugo. I wasn't thinking. God, if if Dark Heather or Allstaff were giving you shit this morning, I can have them written up. They really should have just sent us. 
we might be willing to talk to you guys about some stuff, but honestly, after the interaction this morning, I don't think she's in a mood. That's fine. While it would be nice to have some more contextual information about the artifice, frankly, that doesn't really mean much now that we have a tracker on one of them. Fairly important one, too. Important enough to get broken out, at least. I mean, she was important enough to sacrifice someone else. She definitely seems important to who we're assuming their leader is. So, that's something. Wait a second. What does her boss do? Well, as far as we know, this boss lady is stealing people's energy through her artifice augmentations to people, seemingly taking advantage of them. Okay. She's kind of got evil mastermind vibes. Yeah, very cult-like. Yeah, very culty. The kind of evil mastermind vibes that is looking into stuff and could possibly be going down a bad path and could need help from someone to make their life okay? Yes? Why? Well, that explains the book she was looking for. Hugo, what was she doing here? Eating breakfast and asking questions about artifice and just how it works and such. We picked out some books. Can you show us what books she was looking at? You go to the library. The books are strewn about. Did you steal any of them, Val? And do you think you found what you needed? I think she found what she needed. I think she also had the idea of like, oh, well, if I need these books later, I'll just break in after hours and come back for them. <laughs> like, she was not about to take them when the agency was here and ready to be on her ass. Sure. Why is there so much maple? Oh, my. <sighs> oh, she fell asleep. Knocked over the bottle. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like fairly basic stuff. It's Isn't it kind of weird that someone who's so important to the leader doesn't seem to know that much about artificing? Or does that make more sense that they're in the dark? If she's not telling them anything, there's a way to keep control over them all. Back to cult vibes. But yeah, I feel like we're doing agency stuff. We're taking notes on the books that Val was reading. and Again, it's all very basic rudimentary stuff, and it does imply that like Val had no understanding of how any of it worked. Mm-hmm. The beginner's guide to artifice. Yeah. <laughs> Artificing 101, and she read the first chapter and then stopped. <laughs> yeah. It's also, you could maybe infer the fact that she's going to look this up means that maybe some of your questions did shake her. Mm, that's true. This is all good stuff. And she left out the window? Out the window. You see like the slight dent in the bushes where she escaped. <laughs> Do we know Salem's name? Can I say the word Salem? I don't think that it got explicitly mentioned. I, I don't know if we know. Well, you know, you know what she looks like, but I don't know that you ever got her name dropped. Yeah. Here's a question. Do we want to try to intercept before she goes back to um, home base, whatever that is? No, we want to figure out where home base is and then hit it full storm with everything we got. I know, but do we want to see if we can get any more information from her before then? The danger is that if we detain her again and they send another group out to retrieve her a second time, then we risk maybe civilian collateral or agency collateral a second time. My thoughts are more along the lines of we can get the location of where all of this is happening, whatever warehouse that's taking place in, but we could also get that from talking to her and maybe some extra information as well if she's willing to part with it. She didn't seem very willing last time. I do think it might be beneficial to see where she goes 
and just keep an eye on her. You guys really got on her bad side, didn't you? I mean, to be fair. She kind of got on our bad side first. She tried to steal a limitless power source, so. She did blow up a few things. She did steal a limitless power source. We have coworkers in the ICU. It's pretty bad, Hugo. The whole hallway is ruined. I had to take the long way around. All I'm saying is y'all are an agent mind as opposed to person mind, community mind. Hugo, I want to intercept her because I'm trying to stay out of agent mind right now. Whitaker looks a little offended that you said that. Aiden looks a little upset by that statement too. Damien's unfazed. Yeah, I mean, I've been trying to work on that. That's sort of the whole arc. (laughs) (laughs) Hugo has uh, accurately read everyone in the room. Raven, where are you at with that statement? I think... (laughs) I think Raven took it in a little bit of a positive light of like, oh, I'm doing a good job as an agent. I'm thinking like an agent. Oh, oh sweetie. Yeah, you're so oh, nice. you're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna hold your head in my hands. I think she would read that you two are upset, but I think at first initial would be like, oh yeah, I was thinking like an agent. Not necessarily complimented, but just like somewhat neutral to positive. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, sure was. <laughs> I'm trying to how to word this in the kindest way possible. <sighs> From her perspective, you're the baddies. Fair. From my experience this morning, you're the baddies. <sighs> Not inaccurate. It's a difficult system to work with in. Well, aren't you guys Rogue Squad or something like that? It's kind of a derogatory nickname they gave us that stuck. We don't do derogatory. We own that stuff. You say we, Hugo. You haven't seen the last job we did. You know what I mean by we. I don't know if we do. We implies a team. It's easy to say own it when it's not something you have to deal with, Hugo. You dodged a lot of stuff that's harder for us to brush off when you didn't take the job with the rest of us. Hugo, I am forever grateful that you did not accept a job with us, and I want that to be so clear right now. Oh, I didn't mean that to... I'm sorry. Yes, I agree. It's really good to see you, Hugo. This place is beautiful. You've done a really amazing job. It's good to see you too. I wish you guys would visit more often. At some point you need to stop in for an actual proper soup day. I know. The soups. Soup nights always seem to be the same day as family dinner night at the Eugenia's. But we could probably skip one though, right? Yes, we totally can. And we should, honestly. I'm just saying, you have not lived until you've had Anya's soup. How's she doing? Uh, <laughs> she gives you a little side eye. <laughs> So, Whitaker, about that interception. <laughs> oh, what, Hugo? You don't like when Aiden gets out of agency brain and into person brain? <laughs> you know that's not person brain. That's... You that's... don't have to answer. Sorry, that's personal. We're on the clock. I shouldn't be asking you. <laughs> so, Whitaker, about that interception. <laughs> Hugo, I see where you're coming from. You had a chance to actually talk to her outside of interrogation rooms. What does she need right now? As silly as this is going to sound, help. I'm not sure in what form, I'm not sure with what thing, but help. It's like someone who knows that artifice stuff and isn't trying to steal things. Maybe. You do have a point. We keep talking about how there's cult vibes, but it is possible that she is another one of the victims here, even though she's so close to the boss. Some things you don't fall asleep sitting at a table trying to read through books for no reason. 
Is victim blaming one of those things that we want to try to encourage or discourage? I get like flip-flopped on that. Damien. Damien, I swear to God. (laughs) Actually, Damien, you spent the majority of your life serving someone against your will. Yeah, it sucked and I'm so much better off not doing that anymore. So you, you want us to do the same for her? Potentially for everyone in that gang. It's generally not just one person brainwashed in a cult. If those limbs are siphoning off their life energy, they're clearly not there by choice anymore. Even if they wanted to get out, they couldn't. Yeah, you're right. They should go back to stealing for themselves, not because someone tells them to. I'm I'm on board. Close enough. We'll workshop it. Baby steps. Yes. Now you're all thinking with community mind. Good. I still think we keep an eye on her for a little bit longer, but maybe we can intercept soon and less aggressively than we originally planned. Maybe we can try to talk to her. Hello, adventurers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Storyteller Squad. We've got a few announcements to get you through, so hang tight. We'll head back to the story soon. Our promo swap this week is with our friends from Shrimp and Crits. You'll probably recognize their cast member Katie as the new voice of Vivian. Thanks for bringing our favorite Bat Squatch mom to life, Katie. Their second season is coming out soon with a brand new campaign. And they've started streaming TTRPG games on Twitch with some new cast members, Jess Sparks and Dre Silvertooth. I've even seen Ian playing some Stardew Valley over there once or twice. The vibes are wonderful. Twitch.tv slash Shrimp and Crits pod. Let's check out their new promo. When you listen to Shrimp and Crits, you are getting TTRPG stories steeped in Southern charm. Do you have somewhere to go, family? Fear. His eyes roll open looking at you and is saying, You're fault! You're fault! Pig laughs. Aha, it's me, the hot dog litter. <laughs> Romance. I have a follow-up question. Can I kiss you? <laughs> I think Sarah would just pull her in. And of course, dice rolls. Holy shit, that's an 11 on the dice plus one. It's a 12. Yes. Yes. What is it? Yes. (laughs) If you like a show with a backlog, we have a completed 60-plus episode Monster of the Week campaign. If you prefer something that's a little easier to jump into, we have mini arcs like Arcadia and Whimsy World, which are each under 10 episodes. You can find Shrimp and Crits wherever you listen to podcasts. Find our social media through www.shrimpandcrits.com. And stay tuned for Skyway Men, our Iron Sworn mini arc, which is coming soon. Links to their Twitch channel and website are in the show notes, and you can find our friends on socials at Shrimp and Crits. If you've been enjoying our show, consider following us on our socials. It's one of the best ways to keep up with each episode announcement and help spread the word about the show to your friends. We're at Story Squadcast on most platforms. You can find us posting mostly on TikTok, Instagram, Blue Sky, and Threads, but you can check us out on the other major platforms as well. If you want to show us a little extra love, consider leaving us a rating or a review on your preferred podcast platform. It's another way to give us a boost in the algorithm and get our show seen by potential new listeners. And if you'd like to meet some of those new listeners, we have a Discord server, which we recently opened up to everyone, so come on by. The invite link is in the show notes. If you're in a position where you'd like to support the show financially, you can subscribe to our Patreon. We share exclusive sneak peeks with our patrons in the Discord server, like the designs for the merch and marketing materials we're in development for PAX East. And when we reach a certain number of subscribers, there's a special new campaign we're excited to start releasing for you. 
you can find our page at patreon.com slash the storyteller squad. And yes, you heard that right. The squad is going to PAX East. Come find us at booth TT66 or catch a few of us at the various panels we're hosting. PAX East is March 21st to the 24th. So get your badges now and we'll hopefully see you at the show. That's all for now. Now let's get you back to the episode. See you later, adventurers. Valentine, where are you headed? She's headed to the rookery. The cafe? Yeah. She's actually a bit of a regular there. And she's going to... There's tables around, correct? There are tables. There are booths. It's a two-floored building. The rookery, for the listeners, is a cafe, bar, bistro place. You can get food, drinks, and caffeine there. It's got a very, like, English tavern feel to it. Everything is nice wood grains and leathers and there's like some antlers above the bar in a couple places and the atmosphere is just very chill cafe energy. This is a place where Anya has a job. She doesn't work there all the time, but when she picks up shifts, it's here at this place because it is owned by a satyr and a minotaur. In terms of layout wise, I feel like she has like a usual table, right? Or booth and it's placed near and emergency exit that is not the front door. It's that extra sense of security. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like maybe second floor near a window that attaches to a fire escape. <laughs> yes, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. And she's just sitting there. She's just chilling. I think she's got like a bit of a headache. If there's a window next to her booth, she is like pressing her head a little bit into the cool, cool glass mm-hmm. and just taking a second to breathe because... I don't know, what day of the week is it? Is it like super busy here? Is it quiet here? It's past the breakfast rush, not quite the lunch rush. So there's like activity. There's people who have like come here and they're going to spend probably most of the early part of the day here. It's bustling, but it's not like crowded or loud or noisy. Right, it's not cramped. A server comes over and they say, Oh, you're looking chipper more than normal, Ari. Ah, Jules, good to see you. I get a coffee, please. It's been a long night. I was up late working again. You gotta take better care of yourself. I'll be right back. She just rolls her eyes. Do you want to describe Jules? Ooh, uh, Jules is, I believe she's in her late teens. I want to say around 16-ish. She has tousled light brown hair a smattering of freckles across her face and grayish eyes. Uh, She's human, just a very chipper and happy-go-lucky teenager who's been working at the rookery for a while and is a favorite waitress's uh, vows when she comes to the rookery. I like it. So Jules will head downstairs, put in an order for your usual coffee. She knows your order at this point, which is why she didn't ask for details. Yeah, that's why she only just said, can I get a coffee? (laughs) So bring one back to you and set it down. You think you're going to be ordering... Anything to eat this time or just the usual caffeination and that's it? Give me a few minutes to think about it, would you? I'm still waking up. I'll see you in an hour. Okay. (laughs) She knows when you say a few minutes, you mean leave me alone. (laughs) God, I love this kid. 
We cut back to the rest of you and you see after like talking with Hugo, looking at the books, etc., that Val has stopped moving. She's just locked in a position somewhere, just ping, 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 stationary again. And probably you would recognize it because you all know the rookery quite well as well. No way. Really? It's like she knows these places already. Shit, I love that place. They are good places. Like that's, ooh. ooh. Well... Do we want to get some food? I'll have to change. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. Quick question. You guys said that that artifice stuff has a chance of exploding, right? Yeah, something about they sent in one to trigger another sort of situation. Yeah, I'm nervous about her being at this place. If we're going to go, I think we should go soon just to keep an eye on it. Yeah, I prefer that. Is Anya working right now? Uh Uh-huh. Let me check her schedule real quick. If we can leave the bikes here, I can cut down our travel time. Yeah, yeah, you can leave the bikes outside. Someone at the front desk will keep an eye on them. Aiden will hold out her hands to everyone. Oh, God. Does Whitaker not like teleporting? This is an established character trait of Whitaker's. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Damien's going to do the bridal carry because your arms are out like you're going to hold hands and he just sort of like leaps into your arms. (laughs) (laughs) Raven just reaches over and puts a hand on Aiden's like shoulder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Once all of that happens. The visual in my head is very (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I'm not going to lie, folks. Appearing in a flash of golden light is going to be way more conspicuous than the agency emblem. Oh, I was going to take us somewhere to change into something less agency attire. Oh, yeah. That makes more sense. Ugh. Fine. Hugo, do you want to come with us or just meet us at the Rookery? I was going to say I'll meet you guys there, but I haven't gotten to do that in a while. Yeah. Yeah, let's. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Come with us. All right, do a big wardrobe montage. Everyone get their fits out. <laughs> What's everyone's plain clothes fit? You guys teleport out of the community center and into like just outside the agency locker room so you can go and get changed in your civvies. Smart. Yep. What's your undercover cop look? <laughs> <laughs> Gross. <laughs> 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 I feel gross for saying it. I mean, I suppose you are undercover. You are on mission. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Also, not to be nitpicky, but would we have to teleport to, like, the front entrance? Isn't there a thing with the agency wards? Yeah. Unless we want to say that this, like, employee changing area is just outside of that. Alternative idea, teleport to fucking Whitaker's flat. He's got clothes for everyone. He keeps spares. Oh, yeah. I was thinking yeah. about that, too. Yeah. Just teleport to the flat. I like I that. originally thought you were going to have us go yeah. to <gasps> Aiden and Raven's apartment, but not everyone would have clothes oh. there. No, this is perfect. No, we definitely have to go to Whitaker's flat because it's the Team Haven. Yeah. yeah. Let's start that now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, listeners, to catch you up. We evened everyone's levels out at the start of season three, and I said if anyone had extra levels that we would put those towards a team haven, uh, which we decided was Whitaker's apartment since he's already got a member of the team who has moved in, uh, <laughs> as well as their ally, Prithi Devon. And so... An honorary team member. Yeah. Let me pull up the list of like features you guys have while you describe your undercover looks. That's a big ask, Natalie. To have this group describe outfits? <laughs> yeah. It's a big ask because then we have to think about it and craft the perfect outfit before we can talk about it. Sure, sure, oh, sure. Oh, I, I already have an answer. I mean, Hugo, you're just in your clothes, right? Hugo didn't change clothes. Hugo's just waiting. <laughs> yeah. Done. 
Yuko just gets to be in his little button down or yeah. whatever the hell he wears on the day to day and just wait for everybody else. We do the fashion montage where people walk out like, ah, and he's like, Mm-mm, turn around, go back. <laughs> but it's so fast. We have to be so quick about this. We are trying to get to the rookery soon. Because we have no idea that Val is like gonna chill there for a long time. We have no clue why she's there. You also think it might explode. So like, yeah, there's a sense of urgency. Yeah. I mean, I will say, right, like you guys are not shirking this, but the idea that it might explode, you could probably piece together that like that was intentionally so that she could escape. And there isn't really a reason for this gang to blow up a restaurant for no reason. So yeah. But we still don't trust her. It adds a layer of urgency, certainly. The anxiety is certainly there, but I I wouldn't say that, like, this is you guys just, like, shirking the responsibility you are under to, like, go and change. We'll put it this way. If it was an active threat, we would not have bothered changing clothes. There you go. Yes. You're trying to be strategic with a slow investigation. There's anxiety, not domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, so what is everyone's fit? And then I'll describe the portion of the haven that you contributed to as we go through everybody. Damien has got uh, big green rave pants, so lots of pockets and dangly bits and everything, and uh, is rocking a crop top that is also a green, but a different shade of green because it's nice to mix it up. And then a jacket because, you know, it's a little chilly outside. It is fall, finally, in our story. Damien, what color is the jacket? A third Separate shade of green. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder Gimmer likes you so much. Green bros. (laughs) Gimmer would tell you lime, olive, hunter. (laughs) Yes. I can't believe you're wearing all one color and still manage to clash. Just a splash of chartreuse as a treat. Oh my God. Damien has contributed the armory feature to this haven. In hidden compartments all throughout the haven, there are drawers that pull out with magical stun batons and a cupboard that when you open it up but then push on a drawer, it flips and becomes a knife rack and blah, blah, blah. So there's this hidden stashes of emergency armament all throughout the haven. Nice. Yeah, it is not organized. It's not like a single wall. It is all scattered and found throughout. Yeah. (laughs) That's very fun. You don't quite know what weapon you're going to get. You just know where the hiding places are. (laughs) I feel like Damien forgot where he installed them all. (laughs) Like none of the knives are in any of the kitchen hiding places. (laughs) Well, because you have to practice with them and then it doesn't, you don't put it back in the same case. So it just becomes a giant. All the boxes and the things inside the boxes don't match anymore. Mm-hmm. Raven? Let me send you guys a picture in the chat and then I will describe it. So cute. They're like black cargo pants almost, but like tucked into her boots and then like cinched with a wide belt. And then she's got like a, a fun little printed button down that's tucked into it with like a, a black long sleeve underneath it. And she's She's got her hair all done. She fixed it from the like the helmet head that she had before. Cute. Nice. Raven has contributed the mystical library. So not quite as extensive as the library within the community center, but there is enough here that it helps with like when you need to cast big magic and that sort of thing, correct? It says, if you use your library's occult tomes and grimoires, take plus one forward for use magic. So it's a bonus to magic because of all of our cool books. It helps you with researching like specific spells or working on spellcraft together with you and Damien. 
Mm -hmm. I like the idea, too, that she is, because of this library, also doing research on advancements in this kind of stuff and taking notes of those. And so we've got records of really old books and then also like what's been happening in the spellcasting world that's new and kind of keeping that posted and taking notes and having notebooks full of it. So it's all new information, too. I like the idea of like a playbook of your different card combos that you're keeping track of, of like yeah. these spirits combined to do this cool thing. Or like I used this spirit in conjunction with this thing Aiden did and we pulled blank off. Mm -hmm. Like these two spirits don't really work together. Don't do that one again. <laughs> these two have history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these two fought the whole time and it was really annoying. <laughs> oh my God. Love that. Val's not here. So it's Hugo, who didn't change. So now, well, let's see. <laughs> Hugo, however, contributed protection spells. And by that, I mean Rianne contributed mm. some protection spells. This is the one that specifically says no teleporting into the space. <laughs> so you would have to teleport into the lobby outside Whitaker's apartment and then go up to the place. Yes. <laughs> that is actually complete. Yes, yes. Whitaker sanctions this 100%. Yeah. Yes. So there is essentially the same protections that were around Coraline's mansion and the Hard Rock Cafe Hotel Resort Casino are now around Whitaker's apartment. <laughs> and it's the whole building, not just his apartment specifically? Well, no, I think it's like an orb within the building. So like it kind of sticks out on the edges if you were to look yeah. at it, you know, like if you took a magical orb and just clipped it into a building around the unit. Yes. Cool, cool, cool. Because to do the whole building would be even more expensive. Yeah. And so doing like the unit alone was like pricey but doable and it just happens to cover the same space as one person in that apartment whose teleportation deliveries are supposed to go to that exact spot and they never get them <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the neighbors can never get their deliveries in the right spot <laughs> they're always like one door down yeah Whitaker you're fit and then I'll jump to Aiden all right uh Whitaker is disappointed in all of you you're all conspicuous as fuck gray button-up black jeans and he's got a, one of his leather jackets that has like a hood to it so he can cover up his fucked up ear and like very conspicuous gray man bun whitaker has contributed the workshop which is sort of a shared workshop with prithy right we decided yes in exchange for um prithy building his new pc whitaker lets prithy come in and build whatever the fuck they want amazing it's like some robotics, some computer shit. Yep. Yeah. Specifically non-agency sanctioned gadgets for Whitaker and friends to use. Yes. I think Aiden has just a maroon running hoodie. It's got like tight forearm bit with like the thumb hole and then just some like dark gray leggings and like a gray beanie. Whitaker nods approvingly. Yeah. She does a little like, I see you. I'm with you. I've had to blend in for centuries. <laughs> Raven just looks down at her own outfit like, I thought I toned it down. <laughs> I mean, the good news is it's Portland. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. There's a lot less like straps and chains than there could have been. I almost wore a different pair of pants. Hayden <laughs> will give you a kiss on the cheek and she's just like, I love your looks. You look great. No, thanks. You guys would blend in great in New York City, but I'm blending into Portland. Let's go. All right. Clasping hands again. You can all teleport a block away from the rookery so you can like walk up slightly inconspicuously. So casually. <laughs> and as we approach, we see outside probably doing some cleanup gardening on like the flower window planters that are outside all the windows on the first floor of the rookery is one of the owners of this establishment, a large minotaur. Tiberius Rook, or Big T, 
someone you all know at this point, since you're regulars here. Big T is a Highland cow minotaur, so he has very fluffy hair. Highland cow? Yeah, big fluffy shock of hair hangs down and covers his eyes. But aside from that, he's got a big friendly cow muzzle and some fairly large horns. No one's ever seen this man's eyes. Yeah, (laughs) only his wife. I love him. I'm obsessed. This is so funny because Whitaker did admit a massive desire to like pet a Highland cow in one of our little like road trip bonus episodes. So he feels inordinately soft around this guy for some reason. Yeah. And I mean, Big T is technically the security of this place, but he's just this like gentle, warm presence that like, he never has to really threaten anyone. You just feel like you've got to behave around him. Uh, <laughs> he's got big dad energy, I guess, is the, is the answer. You don't want him to be disappointed <laughs> in you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so he's like cleaning out some leaves from the marigolds that are still blooming in these planters. They swap the plants out like for seasons, not just annually. Like they constantly are redoing the look of the exterior and interior of this place. But he sees you all approaching and flashes a big smile. He claps his work gloves together to knock some dirt off and then waves. Ah, good morning, friends. Don't y'all look like fine things today? There's Big T. We're just a bunch of regulars looking for some regular meals. Come in for lunch then, are ya? Oh yeah, having a normal one. I'll let Astrid know you're here. EC pops open a window and calls inside. Starlight, fire top for a crack, darling. Best crack on. I was thinking Whitaker and maybe one or two of them might stay outside and just do small talk to like sure, stagger sure. their entrance a bit. Mm. Just chat with Big T. Oh, and and of course to chat with Big T and see how he's doing. How, how's the family? How's the business? <laughs> I'm so enamored with you, Big T. Oh, business is doing great. Good to see you, Whitaker. Just working on, you know, the autumnal planters because we got to get things festive for uh, October and everything. We're going to have a Halloween bash. Do you guys think you'll be able to make it? Oh, Halloween bash, that's so precious. Yeah, I could see we get a night off. Can Raven and Hugo, like, sneak by? Sneaking by, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give him a friendly little wave, but, like, the two of them are going to try and get inside before he calls a table for the five of them. He's, he says, oh, yeah, we're going to have some family come down. I think we're going to do Wizard of Oz. So I'm sitting with that for a moment. It's very sweet. It's very precious. <laughs> Just picturing it. Big teeth can be the scarecrow. I love him. Because he's fluffy, it looks like this drop. Protect Big T at all costs. His cousin Big D. <laughs> you might want to change that. No, I won't. Because his name is Dwayne the Moose Johnson. He's a moose <laughs> minotaur from Canada. I just. And he's going to come down and be the team man. <laughs> it's specifically the moniker for yeah. me. But anyway. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> well, man, you always got to let me know when Big D's in town. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, that guy, you got along great when he came into town last, last year. So, yeah, we'll let you know. I am serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm always serious about Big D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Never joking about that goodbye, shit. Goodbye, goodbye. <laughs> I'm melting. No, no, that, that happens later on. <laughs> That's good. Amazing. Well, as you go on with Big T talking about Halloween plans, Raven and Hugo, (laughs) you could go inside. And behind the bar, you see, I don't think Anya is working, unless you'd like her to be. Nope, not today. But for now, working the bar, aside from Jules, again, the server who's dealing with tables, 
is Astrid Rook, hence the Rookery. She is a Lonk Sheep Satyr, so she has very dark skin with like white areas similar to patches of vitiligo and fluffy white hair, which is done up in braids, but also allowed to like open up into these fro-like sections. It's very cute. And she's got like a little like frill topped apron on and like an orange dress with little buttons at the rolled up sleeves. She just gives you two a wave and she says, Oh, welcome to the rookery. Uh, can I get you a table or you want to sit at the bar here? Uh, actually, we're meeting a friend here. And she'll kind of glance over at Hugo. Oh, I'm afraid Anya's not working. She's uh, She's got the day off. Oh, no, a different friend. Oh, of course. Sorry, I shouldn't assume. Well, uh, I can maybe point you to them if you think they're here already. Hugo gives that description that he had from memorizing her face. Oh, yeah. Mm. Also probably looks a little bit tired. When you say tired, Jules says, Oh, you mean Ari? She's upstairs. Yeah, Ari. Um, did she already get food? Uh, well, Ari tends to order a coffee and then says she'll order food, and then it's sort of hit or miss whether she actually does before she leaves or not. That checks out. That tracks. <laughs> if there was any doubt before in Raven's mind that Ari was not the right person, now she's sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she tips really well if she decides to just leave. She always pays her bill, and she tips... As a goodbye. Yeah. Top of the stairs and then down to towards the corner. Can I give you anything to drink before you head up? I'll take a hot coffee. Coming right up. She'll go over, make you drink. You want anything, Hugo? Do you happen to love that mint hot chocolate? We're just bringing out the fall drink, so I'll see if we've got it in stock. Please and thank you. Mixes one up. You guys have your drinks. You can head upstairs. Val, are you asleep? Or like dozing? I think she's gotten comfortable enough to sort of sink into the chair and sort of zone out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But so not being as sharp about the details around her. It's calm. Lunch rush isn't here yet. There's nothing to worry about for now. In 20 minutes, she can be back in alert mode. But she's taking a little bit of a brain break. But she'll sleep when she's back at her place. <laughs> yeah. So as you're in the midst of this zoned out brain break, Raven and Hugo, you walk up. And sure enough, there's Val. Sitting in the corner. Head against the window. Looking. Very tired. Very tired. Very mm. run down. Like, so you know. tired. Even worse than the last time I saw her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Hugo, not that different, but. Well, no. yeah. Virtually no difference. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a bit of syrup smushed on her face. Um. <laughs> Some syrup spritz. <laughs> <laughs> I think as soon as they make eye contact... Raven's going to, like, holding up her coffee is going to kind of hold up a hand in, like, a whoa kind of thing of, like, don't freak out and just give her a look of, like, we're cool. I'm going to level with you. I don't think she realizes you're there at first until you're a good two tables away. Okay. If you're so zoned out, you probably wouldn't notice random people unless they stop in front of your table. Yeah. So I think I think that's the moment. Like you two come up to the table and just kind of stop in front of the table. Mm -hmm. And like that would be enough for a tired person to be like, what? Yeah. No, I agree. I think you guys walk up to the table and she hears the footsteps, stops and looks up, sees you. Wendy is like clinging to your shoulder. I want to make sure we don't like <laughs> oh. forget to mention them, but like they're there too. Jesus fuck. <laughs> they're always there. Yeah, I know they're always there, but I want to say it. <laughs> no, I know. I'm I love them. <laughs> me too. That's why they're always there. <laughs> Also, to make Raven's woe calm down, we come in peace, have some impact. I'm going to say the minute she spots you, she still she has one hand around her coffee mug. She locks her eyes on you, 
Her grip tightens ever so slightly around her mug as if she's going to get ready to throw it. Fair. Hence the hand still up very subtly. Yep. Just to Val. Of like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. There is a, a funny take of you taking the coffee cup in your artifice hand and literally just crushing it in the hot coffee, going over it, but nothing happening. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Absolutely, yes. I do love that. <laughs> nothing, no reaction. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Raven's going to very slowly sit down at your table, maintaining eye contact. Yeah. She is watching you very carefully. Mm-hmm. She is sat up now. <laughs> and she's going to set her coffee down and like kind of keep both of her hands like casually on the table just to be so non-threatening. Very much glancing between Raven and Hugo. Sure. Raven and Hugo. Wendy can scamper off, though. I feel like they're comfortable here. Mm. They, I don't know, might have friends there. Like, they're going to go wander off. Like other spirits who just live at the rookery? Yeah. That's kind of cute. Uh, no, Wendy is keeping me informed about what's going on up there. Mm, there we go. Come on now, we're on the clock. <laughs> All right, Wendy, Wendy will stay for a couple minutes, and then at some point in the conversation, probably casually scamper off to go check in outside. They, they scamper into, like, a window that looks down over the you know where you guys are chatting with Big T. You see when you point like back and forth to say, I'm watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Doing the little like all clear up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They give you like little hand symbols with their raccoon paws. <laughs> we do. We've got a little like a little hand symbol. Yep. Yeah, I love that. That's cute. Oh, squeak em, squeak, squeak them. the quickest little flashback to Whitaker teaching Wendy like this means all clear this means things have gone bad (laughs) Wendy like commits all the signals to memory and uses them when we're on missions now I love Whitaker and Wendy's friendship this season it's already my favorite thing (laughs) it's so good yeah it's so cute they're given the all clear for right now (laughs) I was gonna say, I like the idea that Wendy just gives the all clear during like mundane situations too. Oh. They're just walking to the mall, and when he's like, "It's all clear up there. It's all clear. I'm doing it." It's I all just clear. like to reassure you. Yeah, I just love the idea of like one day just like sitting in the office at the age, you know, and Wendy just being there like with Raven and Whitaker being like, "So you can understand me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> they just like fully nod, like, "Yeah, I, since the start, like." <laughs> I've always understood all of you, everything you've ever said. I've been here the whole time. (laughs) Even when you think I'm not here, I'm still here. (laughs) Wendy gets more personality in this season. I love it. Love it. Yes. But yes, all clear signal out to Whitaker. There we go. So uh, how was your 30 seconds? About as peaceful as 30 seconds can be. Glad to hear it. You have really good taste. It's a good spot. We like this place. Hmm. They have great soup. Maybe I'll sip her coffee. Yep. They make really great coffee. And good breakfast when I have the opportunity. I can't tell if you're making a dig at my pancakes or not, so... No, your pancakes were fine. Okay. So, what's your deal? What's your deal? Are you stalking me? Uh, at this current moment, for the intents and purposes of people's safety, yes. You said that comment about safety, and I think she gives you a bit of an incredulous look and goes, Listen, there's really nothing worth stealing here other than what's in the register. And even that, this is a mom and pop shop. That's lowball in my line of work. For what it's worth, theft is the least of my worries. I think canonically I can just establish Val wouldn't know 
how the explosion happened. Yep. Would not know at all. Also, I imagine she's pretty used to stuff like that. And so it makes sense that it's not like at the front of her mind is a big deal. Her girlfriend broke her out and that's all she knows. Yeah. Should I go into the details, Raven, or would you like to? No, by all means. You have people that care about you a lot, right? I don't think she gives an affirmative or a negative answer. I think she just sort of sits back a little bit more because so far this has been a very non-hostile conversation. Suppose everybody does. Do you know what they would do for you? Queen, that's called a setup. That question was already answered for you. Yeah. I think you do just, you flash back. I would have killed to get you back. I might have already. Back to the present. That question's still like ringing in the air around you. When Salem said she would kill for Val earlier today, I'm going to be honest with you, Natalie, I I don't think Val took it 100% seriously. I think she took it as more of like a figurative of speech, not a literal turn of phrase. Um, You see her kind of pause and sit on that for a little bit. It's been a long night. Do you have something you actually want to ask me or are you just here to play games? So my questions honestly are just what your deal is beyond simply looking for information on artifice to help a friend. Now, and he gestures to Raven, she probably has some more serious questions, I'm assuming. Don't don't let me put words in your mouth, Raven. Eh, I think it depends on how this conversation goes. We don't need to get any get into anything too serious right now. You gonna read my fortune again? I could. You read a fortune? Oh, oh no. How'd that go? Raven's just gonna kind of smirk at Hugo a little bit of like, it went well. <laughs> Did that enlighten anything for you? Just seems like a cute little parlor trick to me. Suffice to say, I don't know how, I don't know the why, but a good number of people got hurt seemingly on your behalf. And while that wasn't in my area of things, I like to make sure that the people in the community that I care about are safe. And we know that it wasn't you directly harming those people. Like, let's get that straight. We know that. But I'm trying to figure out how to ask her to give up these people without actually asking her to give them up. (laughs) You probably have footage of the attack. Hugo's just describing how people got hurt for her sake. You couldn't just be mm-hmm. like, see? Straight up, someone died for her sake. Yeah. Mm. See if that causes just any reaction on her part. Or actually, did you already know that? As far as I'm aware, because I was just clarifying this with Natalie, I don't think she was aware that anybody died on her behalf. Mm-mm. And it was one of Salem's people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, girl, she kills her own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fucking brutal. Listen, some of my coworkers and friends were really badly injured because someone cares about you a lot and someone else who's not one of our people died because of it and we just want to know more about how to stop this from happening again. There's a sort of sudden sharpness and focus to her eyes when you say that somebody died. Her expression doesn't change but I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. Like she's focusing on like looking back and forth between the two of you. And then I think within that flow, it just kind of stops. Mm -hmm. Her gaze sharply turns to you and she goes, who died? Can Raven pull up footage from the person who was detained? I don't want her to show like a video or anything, but I want it to be like a still of them 
coming in or like their mugshot or something. You have like the record of them like processing you. Yeah. When they were first brought in. She's just gonna like pull it up on her phone and turn around and say, did you know this person? You see her shoulders kind of slump a little bit. That's Bennett. He was new. I brought him in. Oh, bitch. Damn. Raven's gonna take her phone back and genuinely look like saddened by this news and just say, he was detained last night after you and at some point in the middle of the night, his artificed arm exploded and triggered another explosion as well. And that's when you were rescued. I'm sorry. What do you mean his arm exploded? That doesn't happen. It wouldn't be designed to do that. The reports say there was a greenish flash and it went off. We don't know what triggered it or why it reacted with the other one or how. We just know that there's a gaping hole in our building now and we lost someone. Natalie, Raven mentions this green flash. Would she be able to recognize that that was... You would absolutely put together right away. Okay. Because you saw that same green power from the stone charge up the like blast from the new arm that Victoria was working on and obliterate a test dummy. The pieces are piecing together. Oh. Raven just lets that sit for a minute. She's not like looking to you for a lot more right now. She's we're just letting that information sink in with you. Ball's in your court now. You two both have even more damning evidence you have yet to drop on Val. I'm leaving all those ones to Raven. One bad news at a time. I want to see what I can pull out of Val first. <laughs> I think I'm trying to like push her into the next step and I'm, I'm trying to like, ah, this is frustrating. If you don't have anything to say, I can say something else. I just wanted to give you space. It's character work. Take your time. You got to work it through or take the silence and then let Raven continue to like drop information at you. Yeah, I think you just need to keep going. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Raven will grab a napkin and just kind of slide it over to where your coffee is just spilling on the table now. I do think she just ignores it. She's got 500 thoughts rolling through her head. That's why she does it. (sighs) And as she slides it across the table, she'll kind of leave her hand across the table as an offering and just go, listen, we want to help you. Since... Since you've had your hand, have you been feeling worse? Those things are supposed to help you, right? But is it making you feel any better? Fuck. You ask her that question, and I think she looks over to Hugo because she was just at his library. (laughs) Looks back over to you. I'm not the most well-versed in artifice but I was noticing some on and off side effects. We think that the person who's made these for you is instead of building you things that you put your spark energy into for your own benefit is stealing that energy from you. Does this line up with the things you've been experiencing? That's what makes you think that it's draining life energy. You have a photo on your phone, Raven, of the vampiric glyph that Gimmer identified. Ooh. He found it. He would have sent it over like, look, it's this glyph. It means blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'll find the photo on her phone and just your artifice gear 
shouldn't need batteries. We found this on the arm of one of your friends. And she'll slide it over. Does it look familiar? I imagine it has like notes next to it in Giver's handwriting. Like that says like vampiric and stuff like that. Yeah. Where'd you find it on his arm? Was it on the inside? Right? It's like a photo of the glyph on like the inside inner workings of his arm. It would have been on like the inside surface of like the back plate of the hand. Ooh, the back plate of the hand. <sighs> yeah, so in the photo you would see it like opened. And then the notes next to it. It's like half disassembled. You see the plate lying on the set next to like the exposed interior of the, the hands of this arm. Which, by the way, Val, you would recognize the arm in question as Bennett's arm. Yep. Because remember, he lost his. Then Victoria gave him another one and then sent him in. Ooh. She recognizes Bennett's arm. Um, Raven just slides her phone across the table and like leaves it so you can keep looking at it as long as you want. Yeah, Val will like look down and she'll like pinch and zoom on the phone to get a better look. Sees the back plate specifically. Read a bad situation. For the love of fucking God and all that is holy, don't make me roll a six. That's an eight. <laughs> I was going to say, if you failed, I was going to offer to roll to help out. <laughs> We're in this together right now. One hold. Dangers we haven't noticed. Let's go with that one. That one seems to make the most sense. Looking at this tagged evidence, Val, you're really curious about the back of your own hand plate. Oh, yeah. No, I think she starts absentmindedly pulling the glove off of her hand, pops a back plate and goes to look and see if there's anything to compare. And the danger you have never noticed, having never needed to investigate your own artifice that much, is a matching vampiric glyph on the inside of that plate. <sighs> I think you kind of see her roll her jaw a little. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not sure if she would say this out loud. What's she thinking? You can tell us and we'll we'll not metagame it. <laughs> Yeah, you can you can inner monologue. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, inner monologue a little bit. For one, she's processing the fact that Salem actually did kill for her, and so the sentence that keeps rolling around in my head is, "Wow, she actually did kill for me," but she's also slowly been killing me and everyone else you know. Yeah, everyone else I know. I think what happens. She's having this inner monologue. She's kind of stewing. And I do think there's like an awkward, like two minutes of just straight silence. Oh, sure. Yeah. To the point where Whitaker might be like, hey, guys, you good? <laughs> Wendy? Wendy. All clear. All clear. Yeah. Yeah. Wendy's <laughs> like, it's all good. <laughs> Still watch. All clear. Y'all have gotten into a conversation with Big T about hydroponic gardens for your apartment, Whitaker. Oh, I love that. So I think, like, when she's ready to talk again, she looks up at them, closes the plate back on her hand, pulls the glove back on, clasps her hand together loosely in front of her on the table. So what do you need from me? We want to put a stop to this, and I don't think we can do that without you. At the same time, you deserve to be in a better situation than you're in right now. We want to help everybody who she has affected by this, and that includes you. And we want to prevent her from doing it to anybody else. I 
I don't think anyone in the gang knows about this. If they did, they would have turned tail and ran far, far away. That's what we thought. The woman you're looking for is Dr. Victoria Salem. Here we go. Ring, 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 ring. <gasps> ring, 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 ring. Whose phone, phone is, is that, that, Natalie? <laughs> Valentine's. <gasps> Raven will just shoot a look at Hugo and kind of like lean back in her chair. Like, uh-oh. Sip the hot chocolate. Yep. Same thought. We're staying here and seeing if you answer. She's going to pull out her phone, check and see what the caller ID is. The name you just said. Bitch. Summoned. God. Mm -hmm. Like bloody fucking Mary. (laughs) She gives a glance up to Hugo and Raven, a glance back down to her phone, puts up the one minute hand gesture and scoots out of the booth. Okay. And goes off into a quiet corner and answers the phone. Hello? Hey, where are you? You never came back. I knocked out at one of those 24-hour diners. I was more tired than I thought. That's okay. Can you come back? I think I'm gonna need your help soon with the next steps. Give me about an hour to get some food and some coffee, and I'll be right there. Things are progressing so well, Ariel. It's going to be amazing. I'm so close. I'll see you in a bit. See you soon. And it's a flip phone, so she snaps it shut. Click. Yeah. And we pause on you for a moment, but then rocket across the city of Portland and into the hideaway where we see Victoria hang up her phone, slip it into her black lab coat pocket, and turn, and we see opening into the workshop machinery moving pieces into place large power cables and crackling seafoam green lightning emitting off of transductors and uh, you know electrical equipment all being generated by the philosopher stone held within that new housing component that she had designed which is held within a sort of rounded shape which then leads down to that like spreading printed network as the arm that she was building goes into place we see an ankle connecting to a foot and a faceplate dropping down over where the philosopher's stone is victoria is creating a homunculus oh bitch and that's where we'll end our session motherfucker Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> god and as we will see in the F chat, called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Well, see you next time, adventurers. <laughs> Jesus fuck, man. Oh, man. Oh. The drama. What a scene. The juice. <laughs> next session's gonna be spicy. <laughs> Woo. Prepare for spice. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>